Hello there. <coughs> I'm here. Hey, man. That didn't sound hey. good. <laughs> okay. Uh, I've got a bit of a cold. Uh-oh. Yeah. Something going around? I don't know. You know, I felt it coming on when we were at Mark Marin. Oh, and I, shit. I thought maybe, mm-hmm. I thought maybe it was just because I was laughing so much that oh. maybe I, you know, had hurt my throat because it was just a couple days after the psychedelic furs and all that. Mm-hmm. And I thought, hmm. huh, maybe I, maybe I've just um, hurt my throat, and that's why my throat's sore. But it feels like a cold coming on. Oh, well, and it's that just sucks. been, mm-hmm. it's just been naggy, you know. Okay. No fever. I, I or... haven't missed work. Oh, okay. But no, you, you I, okay. I've had a fever. Oh, you have. The last, yeah, oh yeah, the last couple oh. nights I slept really hard. Okay. Like I slept well, not, you know, I slept long. I slept t- eight, nine, ten hours. Hmm. That thing where you're just achy and you want to sleep and just get in bed and go to sleep. And I'm yeah. sure part of it's because I'm just dog ass tired, too. Right. Well, um, if you don't feel like recording tonight, we don't have to. No, I'm up for it. Okay, good. You may you may have to just cut out some coughing here and there. All right. It's not like I haven't done that before. Remember that time I think right. we, we were both hacking up at the same time? Right. Oh, was, man, you couldn't believe it. <laughs> How many coughs and <laughs> and throat clearings and stuff I had to cut out. It was hilarious. Hey. Right. A lot of... <laughs> yeah, I'll have to include those in the uh, outtakes episode. I guess so. <laughs> Are you building an outtakes episode? Uh, I don't know. Uh, if, <laughs> no. But if, if I'm going to, I better start now because if I wait too long, it'll become a monumental task. Like trying to put together episode 100. Oh, my God. Of Lube TV. Yeah. <laughs> you know why you're not building an outtakes episode? Because we don't take anything out. Well, Everything that's... we talk about, <laughs> there's not a lot that gets taken out but ums and ahs and coughs. Yeah. I mean, there's some pre-show stuff that I cut out. And occasionally there's some, you know, in the middle of the show stuff that I cut out. But it's usually shit that I say because it, it <laughs> it's completely off topic. Or something not not quite coherent, so I'm like, eh, I don't think so. <laughs> five or ten, five or ten second snippets. I'm like, you know, that's not really forwarding the conversation. So <laughs> oh, bye <man>. bye. <laughs> not a big deal. Not a big but, deal at all, man. But I'm yeah, I'm I'm extremely liberal, or I'm actually I'm extremely conservative in in how I edit. I conserve everything. Ha! Okay, that's. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, one of the reasons I want to do the uh, the do it tonight is because there might may not be a tomorrow. You know, uh, I, I don't know if you've been watching the news in the last few minutes, but Trump just bombed the shit out of Syria. Yeah, I know. I, I did hear about that. So, and, I mean, if if it were just a matter of bombing Syria, it wouldn't be so bad. But being that Syria is, and in particular. Assad of Syria is under the protection of uh, Russia. We might have just declared war on Russia. Ugh, it's crazy. Now, don't get me wrong. I think President Assad of Syria deserves to have his ass bombed, but the implications going forward could be a lot uglier than than people who made the decisions have uh, anticipated. So right. It ain't. It. It. Uh, yeah. It, it might not be too pretty. I mean, this is just the day after he took that crazy Steve Bannon off the National Security Council. Yeah, well, that's true the guy, too. The guy, like the guy who's big friends with Russia. Uh, well, that, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, Mister Mister Breitbart himself. Yeah. It was nice to see that he was taken off the 
Security Council, but what is that really going to help? But man, uh, I, uh, I I'm confused. I'm confused about yeah, the state of me. events and, and shit that's gone down tonight. So, uh, or it right. could it could have just been an action to placate the American people to make make us think that he's actually done something when maybe the only thing that actually got bombed was an abandoned air base in Syria. Well, that's true too. That, and that could very well be right. Just to uh, to save face, show what a strong man he is, and show that he's not. And that he's not in the pocket of Vladimir Putin. Is there a bigger pussy than Trump? I don't think there's a bigger piece of shit pussy than Trump. Yeah. Well, that's probably true. I'm sure he's quite quite willing to send other people's kids into harm's way, but, you know, not his own. Oh, yeah. I mean, but. I keep trying to come up with a word to call him, and everything you can call him is an insult to the insult, you know? Like, calling him as a pussy <laughs> is an, an insult, insult to, to pussies. pussies. <laughs> calling him a douchebag is an insult to douchebags, which actually serve a, a good purpose. You oh, know? absolutely. Um, so the, the best the best one I've come up with today was Smegma Eater. I think Smegma Eater is pretty much a great, you know, our president well, is a fucking Smegma Eater. Well, that's an insult to uh, <laughs> smeg, smeg Smegma Connoisseurs everywhere. Smegma Connoisseurs everywhere. <laughs> Oh, there's a whole joke in there somewhere about French cheese, but I don't know where it is. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, anyway, S- smegma is the uh, fromage <laughs> de la Ducante. <laughs> I don't oh, know. <laughs> the fromage of the unkept. <laughs> the unkept. The, the kept fromage of the unkept. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Oh, hey, that's good. The, the kept fromage Thank of you. the unkempt. Nice. Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm that's, I'm deep like you, that. You were stretching. You must be on cold medicine. <laughs> Probably that's part of it. Yeah. How many Sudafeds anyway, have you dropped already? Si- <laughs> just just eight. Just eight Sudafeds. Oh, okay. okay. Um, Did you cook them first? We, uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't want to get political on this show, but uh, when you know, when I we know. start recording uh, ten minutes after we bombed Syria. I know. Yeah, I kind of got to bring it up. Yeah, no shit. I mean, it was like right at the end of uh, Riverdale, it was like all of a sudden this, you know, this news headline pops up. I'm like, holy shit. Like I said, don't get me wrong. Anybody who, you know, gasses his own uh, people that he claims to be are rebels, but it actually ends up being, you know, women, children and just people. Deserves to have his, you know, ass shot off, but his bomb. What's bombing an airbase yeah. gonna do? Right. Uh, it's kind of a hollow, kind of a hollow uh, action. But this is a, a developing issue, so we don't know how all this shit's gonna shake out. So yeah, by know. the time this podcast airs, everyone on the planet could be dead. So right, you know, we yeah, could have <laughs> we could have already had our our full blown thermonuclear war with Russia by now. Yeah, by the time this yeah. airs. So any of you who are well, who are listening to this, uh, you're already dead. Right. I was going to say, <laughs> this one's for the survivors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Well, you know, I guess, uh, can the internet survive a, a thermonuclear war? I think it was invented to survive a thermonuclear war. I think that was, wasn't that the whole part of it? Yeah. Yeah, it was to maintain communications during a thermonuclear war through a series of underground cables. Uh, it's just a series of tubes, right? It's a series of tubes. <laughs> who was that? Who was, what politician was that who 
Was, uh, he was some, like ex- talking to his constituents, or yeah, the internet is a series of tubes. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't. No one remembers who he is. We just remember how stupid he was. Maybe he was thinking it was like the movie Brazil, where all information was transferred through uh, pneumatic tubes. Maybe that's what. That's what, what he thought. Or was that 1984? I can't remember now. Those movies are very It was similar. actually both of them, I think, yeah. I think you're right, yeah. Interesting. Like, like typewriters and pneumatic tubes. Rotary dials. Mm-hmm. It was like the modern world, if uh, digital had never been invented, if everything was still analog. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I liked that. You know, I I love the book 1984 and the film. Here we are on a we're really slippery sloping. <laughs> yeah, we um, are, and we're just in the pre-show. The film. <laughs> yeah, I know we haven't even started yet. The film we did uh, so good last week. <laughs> I know. The oh. film version yeah. w- took forever to get made for the for the widow Orwell to say, okay, you can make a movie out of it. And one of the hmm. one of the things they tried to do in that movie, the one with John Hurt. Yeah. Is to they tried to uh, make it look like Orwell would have seen it in his mind in 1948 when he wrote the book. Okay. So kind of using the technology that was in 1948 mm-hmm. to create the world of 1984 in the movie. Oh, and okay. I think I think it looks quite like that. I think that's a very I think they did really well oh, doing that. Right. The. Uh old tech <coughs> excuse me now i'm coughing the old technology everything dark gray all i remember is subdued blues and dark grays and and black and burnt orange like like put like post-war england yeah yeah absolutely With, 1948 yeah yeah rubblish yeah just rubble it's everywhere. a great movie john hurt and uh richard burton's they're so good yeah. in that movie Mm-hmm. I really thought, you know, I love 1984. It's a great book. It's hard to pull it off as a movie. I thought that movie did it really well. Oh, Susanna yeah. York, oh my God, she's gorgeous. And, mm-hmm. and you get to see her naked a lot, too. You oh, can't really, well, that's true. There's there's no no downside <laughs> to that movie, except, you know, <laughs> the completely right. depressing storyline. Other than uh, that, there's no downside. Yeah, it's uh, pretty depressing. Hmm. Yeah. It is. Well, you know, who knows? We may find out what that what that's like. I don't know. We may. I don't know. By sooner than we think. Right. We'll see how uh, see how much power Trump Trump tries to claim after flexing his muscles today. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It's all that post. It's all that bullshit. Pussy posturing bullshit. I know. But you know, the American people fall for that shit pretty easily. They well because the American people are stupid. Obviously, they elected him. So anyway, <laughs> well, hey, let's I, let's I can't not argue talk with that. about <laughs> let's not talk about all that. Let's start the okay. show and then talk about people who died this week. I know. Wow. Oh my god. You know, keeping today, it upbeat and light. Right today alone, crazy. Okay. All right. Today is nuts. Okay. Yeah. Let's start this thing. Okay. You're ready. Yes. You were rolling during all that pre-show stuff. That was gold I just gave you there. Oh, hell yeah. And you jumped in with more gold. There was just there's a <laughs> lot of gold at the beginning already. This show's already amazing and awesome. Right. Which is our best end. episode ever. It could be, you know, just a little tiny bit yeah. of editing. It will be amazing. Yeah. And when you cut that cough out you made, <laughs> now <laughs> you can't cut it out because I referred to it. <laughs> and they'll be like, what? What cough? What the fuck cough is he talking about? <laughs> Now you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put in a five-minute cough. (laughs) I'm going to edit in a five-minute cough. (laughs) 
Oh, fuck, like that one? Like that one, except it's oh. going to be on a five-minute loop. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. You okay? Wow, best episode ever, yeah. Did you ha- hack up any chunks? No, I wish I could. Then oh. it might be better. Hang right. On. Hang on, I'm going to do one more crazy hack. Okay. <laughs> Mm, it's a non-productive cough, man. Ooh. Got to get you some Mucinex, the, Mucinex, young man. E- even my fucking coughs are lazy as fuck, man. <laughs> non-productive fucks. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Da- that damn layabout cough. I know, right? <laughs> fucking, uh, I don't know who's a lazy person. I don't even know who a lazy person in, in fiction or history would be. Uh, who's like a famous lazy person? Besides um, me. <laughs> just, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. I'm not famous, right? <laughs> and, and you're not fictional either. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Unless, I don't know. Sometimes I think I exist in my own mind. Mm, okay. Ah. Are you a, mm. an, you're a re- reverse solipsist? No. Isn't that what a solipsist is? Someone who thinks everything that happens in the world is about them and... Re- no, I thought I thought you said that you 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 thought that you existed in your own mind. Oh well, yeah. okay, I guess so. That's right. Yes, that is what a solipsist is. Someone who thinks they're I the so. they're, and everybody else is just a figment of your imagination, or or put in the world to 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 be a part of your life, almost like the Truman Show, where you're Truman, oh. but you know you're Truman. Okay, yeah, I guess there are different versions of solipsism yeah of course i guess the the pure form is just you can only be sure of your own existence and everybody else could just be an illusion right yeah i guess yeah yeah they certainly they certainly are don't exist when they're not interacting with you right well that's true you know like like you man you don't exist except to be my friend and to do this podcast with me (laughs) other than that you have no existence (laughs) That's right. Terrible. What a terrible person. No, I think on I some how... I think on some level people typically are solipsists in that they think you oh, know, yeah. it's their movie and that everybody else is just a supporting character in that. Right. Right. Yeah. Not to keep going off on a slippery slope here, but let's start the show. I, I, well, no, I was going to say, I remember okay. when I was about, I think I was about seven or eight. I was in elementary school and mm-hmm. fairly young mm-hmm. and laying one night trying to go to sleep to go to school the next day. And it occurred to me that my sister, who's a year younger than me, yeah. would wake up in the morning and would have a completely different day from mine. She would see different people. She would go into a different classroom. Mm-hmm. She would interact with other people and have conversations that I would know nothing about. Yeah. And I mean, it was like a, it was almost like a revelation that, oh, mm. there are other people in the world and their day is completely different from your day. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's, I, I think, I think of that a lot, how, you know, it's like right now there are people in Paris who are having a really good time that have no knowledge of us whatsoever, and they're it's it's the same well, concept. Most of them are just, asleep in Paris right now, but are they? Well, yeah, I it's guess. like three, four in the morning over there. Yeah, I guess it's they're what seven hours. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's it's pretty early. Yeah, I think only the yeah the 
only the uh, the guys in striped shirts and masks who are cat burgling are awake right now. <laughs> the real cheese eaters are up right now, man. The real cheese eaters. Right. But yeah, that's true. It's uh yeah, it is kind of weird, you know. People have their own existences and it's yeah, and it's even people we know, they have their own days and you don't know what their days are like. So yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's and that's what I'm saying, you know, I was 7 or 8 years old and such an egotistical little bastard that I had to have a revelation to realize oh. <laughs> the universe did not revolve around me. And it was a fucking revelation, let me tell you. It was like, "Huh, I'm yeah. not the center of the world. Other people have lives and do things." <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. That's that's so funny because that seemed like a common theme with most human beings, you know, they they think they are the center of the universe. Of course, that's that's your point of reference. That's your point of, of view from an early age. And I think maybe once you get beyond that, you've hit the age of reason. When you maybe that was your your moment, your age of reason moment, right. where you you came to well, that realization. I, yeah, there's a whole world out well, there that goes on without you. Well, I mean, that's how you've that's how you can be empathetic and sympathetic, I guess. Right. But I also feel solipsistically, 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 um, yes, solipsistically uh-huh. that the world would be a better pr- place if people would just take care of their own shit and leave and let other people do their own shit. You know, well, that's true. I mean, there's way too you know, much tampering in other people's lives that people feel compelled uh, people to stick do their nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people stick their nose in everybody else's business. All it ever does is cause problems. <laughs> it's just like even people with good intentions, you know, that that fucker that's in front of you <laughs> when you're in sitting in fucking traffic that lets somebody else in front of them. Right. You may have made that person happy, but you've pissed me off, <laughs> motherfucker. True. And maybe five other people behind you. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you think you're doing a great thing, but really you've let you've made one person happy and, and probably pissed off four or five more. <laughs> that's so true. That act that random act of human kindness piss me the fuck off man <laughs> well the thing is that they're they're, go, they're going but for I'm the not bitter <laughs> no not at all they're going for the immediate reward because they get a little wave from the person they let in and they just ignore their right. rearview mirror so they don't have to see you flipping them off <laughs> oh and i lay on that horn motherfucker oh, really? you hear me oh. you know i'm a- <laughs> okay yeah okay <laughs> they're, all right okay I was- <laughs> their good deed does not go unpunished oh i punished the fuck out of them <laughs> <laughs> my car's getting so old that i can start rear-ending people i think because ah, it's just about right. done for anyway so yeah well you could spend a little money on it and get a, a a big steel battering ram installed on the front of it don't give me any ideas <laughs> oh Mad Max, uh, Mad Max out my car. Yeah, or you could just, um, you know, get some logs and rope them to the front of your vehicle. That's the, that's the low budget way of doing it, right? <laughs> yeah, there's got to be a way like you can reinforce the front of a cheap little compact car. Yeah, probably, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Mount that battering ram straight to the frame. Ah, uh, yeah, I like that idea. <laughs> that way you get the most energy transfer. Because <laughs> you're looking uh, at it as an engineer. You're looking at the problem like an engineer. Sure. See, that's why we work well together. You've got the idea of how to make it work. I've got the idea of, <laughs> of just doing it. 
Yeah. It's like, oh, I really wish I could I could run my car into other people that piss me off on the road. <laughs> and the engineer in you says, you know, you really need to reinforce the front of your car if you're going to do that. <laughs> I know. And that's weird. That's crazy. That is so it's crazy. Awesome. Oh, I think we're, oh, a we're we're a dangerous combination. I'm afraid we are. I think that's your the dreamer and the um, builder. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Empires mm. would fall, man, if we had any real power. Hell yeah. <laughs> You're James. Okay, Bo- let's start the show, man. Let's start the show. Oh, you can, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You can be James Bond, and I'll be Q. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are my Q. <laughs> okay. Speaking of cues, let's start the show. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, wow, that's a excellent. segue, motherfucker, excellent. right there. That's how it's done. There you go. Oh, all right. Okay, you ready? Yeah. We need to do this or we'll talk forever. I know. All right, here we go. In three, two, one. Podcasts weird from the live music capital of the world, Austin, Texas, the city that brought you Amy's Ice Cream, The Octopus Project, Madeline Murray O'Hare, Charlie Sexton, Mike Judge, Poi Dog Pondering, and the world's largest urban population of Mexican free tailed bats. It's a slippery slope. The podcast with the dazed and confused Mark Browner and Lodger. Yeah, that's us. Yeah, <laughs> that's us. That's right. Heck yeah. Well, hey, not only was this day shitty because Trump's starting a war, yeah. but, you know, we went a whole six days. You know me, I keep track of who died. Oh, yeah. For our show. Yeah, well. And we went six mm-hmm. days with no one. I only had one kind of minor person to mention yeah sounds terrible to call someone a minor person but i mean someone who's someone that we'll mention here in a little bit right someone lesser known is what you really mean yeah yeah someone who wasn't really a household name but anyway um and then fucking today started Uh, yeah with us losing don rickles i was just like yeah (sighs) what can you say man man? Mm, i know it's it's yeah it's a great loss you know I thought he was gonna live forever I mean granted he was he was ninety he he lived a long and happy and he, fruitful life but you know we it's he still, lived a good long life but it still hurts us who are left behind because we know what we've lost we lost a great you know talent yeah yeah well we were lucky you and I we saw him. I didn't even go back and look, but it's within the last five or six years he played at the Paramount. Right. And we saw him live. And he was, you can tell he was getting up in years, but he put on a hell of a show. We laughed our asses off. Oh, absolutely. We had pretty decent seats. We were pretty pretty close up there, as I recall. We were like uh, second or third row on the left-hand side of Paramount. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was one of those deals where somehow I joined the Paramount Club, and the next thing I knew, I was able to buy tickets to early or something, or to a certain section or something. Oh, so that's the secret. Okay, yes. I think that's what I did, yes, because okay. I wanted to see Don Rickles, and I didn't want to yeah. sit in the back, man. Right, so, and uh, yeah, thanks to you, 
it happened. And, you know, this was this is a thing that goes back quite a few years to uh, back in the day when John Christensen was still around. We were uh, I don't know if you were part of the conversation, but we were always, you know, dreaming about going to see Don Rickles, going to Las Vegas and seeing Don Rickles. Of course, that never happened. So it it meant a lot to me when, you know, you bought the Don Rickles tickets and invited me to go with you. So don't think that that good deed has not gone unnoticed. Or wait, <laughs> wait a minute. Well, don't think know. that that good deed has gone unnoticed because it, yeah, well, it, meant a, it meant a whole lot to me to see Don Rickles live well, on stage. Yeah, for for us to see him together was really cool. And and uh, in fact, we saw. So here now, let me jinx Tim Conway. We saw Tim Conway about a year after that. I think that's correct. Um, yeah. So it was it was just great, you know, to see those guys, to see that they're still out there touring Mm -hmm. to, you know, putting on a a hell of a show and and enjoying themselves and still, you know, Rickles had it, you know, he was still funny. I I remember there was a there was you remember there was a point where he where he started to repeat a joke he'd already done. And he was like, wait a minute, I already did that one, didn't I? (laughs) Yeah. And I was just like, that's 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 awesome. He's, you know. He's he's old enough to start repeating his jokes, but still snapped had enough snap to realize as he was doing it. Nope, I've already did that one. <laughs> <laughs> Unless his handlers have a shot collar on him, if he starts repeating jokes, maybe, they, they hit the maybe button. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he uh, was just. It yeah. was. We saw him at the Paramount, and that I can't did. remember. Did he have? He had a band that played a few things because I think didn't the, did the band play a few songs before he came out? Like a, they he had like a a small orchestra, like four or five guys. I can't remember. Um, I think they were on stage. Were they on stage? Yeah, they were when on, he was stage. on stage. I think mm-hmm. they were behind him on stage, and because he was having some interaction with some of the band members during his show, as you recall. And didn't they yeah, also didn't yeah. they also play? And he sang a song or two. He. he I'm, Almost certain that he's saying I'm a nice guy song. If I'm right, I, <laughs> unless yeah. my memory is completely flawed, but I'm pretty sure that's true. That, you know that uh, that sounds familiar. Again, maybe we're mm-hmm. just having a mass hallucination because <laughs> that's what we wanted to happen. Right? Yeah. Yeah. What's that? What's what's that term that they call when people have uh, uh, memories of something that never happened? I can't remember. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mass delusions or whatever. <laughs> yeah. There's but, the, there's a word for it. But know, anyway. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Rickles was just it's funny because I wonder if like, you know, you had to know him and and had seen him growing up to really get him because true, you know, now 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 if you don't if you didn't know the context, the jokes he told now were really offensive. Oh, I was true. reading online mm-hmm. one where he said something about Obama a couple of years about like Obama. Mm-hmm. Obama had just visited or something and he left a mop. Um, and I was like, man, <laughs> you can't tell that joke. No one else could tell uh, that joke, but no but one Rickles, else, man. No right. one else no. could could go there. Right. But, but, but the, he had kind of a free pass. He did because, you know, he he insulted everybody and uh, he didn't. Yeah, he did. And he was of that, you know, age that, yeah, he could completely get, a, yeah. get away with it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he in the '60s and '70s he was doing it to Sammy Davis, and I think it's right? funny because everyone knew it was a joke. And I don't, he's he was mm-hmm. like f- so fortunate because he could have gotten shot down so hard, true, at any point in history for yeah. something he said 
but everyone knew he mm-hmm. he gave it to everyone. It was all in good fun. Right. And he could be, you know, and he, he would give it to any nationality, any yeah. religion, any type of person. Right. He, you know, that's what he was going to do. Yeah, I've said it before. He was an equal opportunity insulter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, Yeah, and... It, it, it's like it's almost I, it almost feels like an era has died, like no one else mm-hmm. will ever be able to say the things that he was able to say ever again. Right. No yeah. one has that clout. Well, that's true. Well, what's so interesting in his act is he would, you know, he would run through his act and just, you know, bam, bam, hitting hard, insulting all over the place. But then, you know, toward the end of his act, you know, he kind of gets a little serious and then, you know, talks about almost explaining that he doesn't he's he's not malicious in what he's saying he you know he really loves people i wish i could articulate it better but somehow he always kind of brought it back to where you realize where his his heart really lied you know what right, i mean right yeah. yeah yeah absolutely i think yeah and i mean i think too there was that people who loved him and went to see him Knew the context, mm-hmm. knew that that's what he did. That was his shtick, you know. Right. But it's just funny, like if you took a, if you took a millennial into one of his shows, or even showed a cl- one of his clips. Yeah. Someone who doesn't know the context would be like, "This guy's horrible. He's so." <laughs> right. Yeah. It's would funny say... just to think about people unfamiliar right. reacting to him. Yeah, I mean, out of context, you would say, "Oh, he's a racist and a misogynist and a." And, right. a, uh, you know, uh, anti-Semite, etc. Oh, my God. You know what they need to do? You've seen that series on YouTube that's like uh, kids react. Mm hmm. Like think kids react to. Yeah, it's funny because kids will they'll have they'll have kids play with old computers or. Right. You know. Yeah, I've seen show that. Show them an mm-hmm. old telephone. Yeah. Sure. Freaking kids react to uh, Don Rickles. That would be hilarious. Oh, yeah, definitely. They would be, their jaws would be dropping. Right. You know, the funniest one I ever saw, that was uh, Kids React to Hardcore Porn. That was hilarious. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, so fucking terrible. Oh, my God. Oh, that's, okay. That's funny. Okay. That's fucking funny. All right, for nah. our listeners out there, there there really was no no segment like that. Just just so as you no. know, <laughs> yeah, I mean they do they do have kids react, and if you want to spend an evening, yeah, enjoying some YouTube videos, the Kids React series is good. They also have uh, teens react and um, uh, seniors react and YouTubers react. There's a whole series of yeah, YouTube videos. Oh, it's a huge genre. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. The, the guys who created it, I hope they're millionaires because it's a million dollar idea. <laughs> well, um, it is, right? And uh, yeah. I, I think if you look at the number of hits they got, I think they're they're probably doing quite well from it. Yeah, I imagine they're doing. Yeah, that right. Thing, the number those of views videos on get millions of hits. Yes, right. In, in fact, I wonder if there's anyone who really listens to this podcast that isn't familiar with Kids React. Right. I'm I'm sure they have. If they've spent any any amount of time on YouTube, they um, they most certainly have seen it. Or seen it through Facebook, that. possibly. Hmm? Oh, that too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Plus, there's a whole s- subgenre: people from one country reacting to like food and snacks from other countries, which yeah. are also fun and hilarious. Right. I think I've seen that. And there's, uh, you know, yeah. I think there's another 
subgenre of that where guys do girly things like guys oh, yeah. try on women's lingerie or guys what, what, try to walk there, in high heels guys, uh-huh right there's four guys that do that uh, yeah. as a series and it what, i don't even know what that's called but i've seen their videos either. is it uh, it's like the try on guys or something that's it i think um yeah sierra watch, watches those quite often and occasionally she'll say oh you got to see this and we'll show it to me and i'm like yeah okay that's that's mildly humorous <laughs> no usually it's well, kind it's of it's pretty hilarious you know the you know the first few i watched was several, was a few years ago and it would be and it was like guys try on girls lingerie or whatever right and those guys were fairly fairly hot then but now they've gotten a little older and it's like <laughs> yeah yeah uh, <laughs> what are they out of your age range now <laughs> yeah. well they're like 30 i mean come on okay okay fair enough all right then okay <laughs> anyway um but the uh, don rickles so, i mean amazing career uh you know he had a movie career he was on probably every sitcom in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, into the 2000s oh, and the two, 2010s. Had, I mean, had his own sitcom. Right. He was on every talk show that ever existed. Well, that's true. You know, and not all, just Carson and Letterman, but everyone. Well, that's true. And, and all the Dean Martin roasts as well. If anybody oh, God, I those. love the Dean Martin roasts. Mm-hmm. Jesus, they're one of my those things just make me laugh. Yeah. I don't know what it is about a roast. And and Rickles, of course, is the insult comic is, is oh, right. the key ingredient to any fucking roast. Yeah. Um that was his but that was his playground. That's his shtick, yeah. I mean that's mm-hmm. his that's that's really based on his shtick, this thing of roasting people. Yep. And um, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, it's sad that they didn't have, you know, why wasn't why wasn't Rickles there to roast Bieber? That would have been hilarious. Oh, well Rickles Rick- Yeah, he could have. Of course he might have gone Ooh, maybe who? <laughs> well that, that's that's funny right there. Maybe he <laughs> just wanted too much money. He probably yeah, classy. yeah, you know, and I, I think the torch had, had been passed by that time to uh, Jeff Ross yeah. by then. <laughs> well, that's true. He's a great that's insult true. comic. Yeah, he uh, is. He's one that he's one that could get away with saying almost anything. Yeah, right. There's still Jeff Ross out there to to carry the torch. That's Heck true. Yeah, he's the guy with the the famous B. Arthur's dick. Uh, uh, oh joke. my God! <laughs> one of the greatest lines. <laughs> In all of roast history. Yeah, you know the latest episode of uh, 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 WTF with Mark Marin had Jeff Ross on there, and he was talking about that. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. About he just... No, I... He, he just had written in his notes that night, you know, be Arthur's dick, and didn't know how he was going to work it into his act, but it, it presented itself. So, oh, that's amazing. That's hilarious. But getting back to Rickles, uh, did you ever watch uh, the, the sitcom that he had that he starred in, CPO Sharky? Oh, yeah, every week. Yeah, I did too. It wasn't particularly great, but no. I loved it. I, it did last two seasons, though, so it must yeah. not have been a total mm-hmm. bomb. I mean, I, I I vaguely remember, you know what it what it was. It's probably just kind of a right. a rehash of uh, McHale's Navy or uh, Sergeant Bilko, but <laughs> still, with Rickles as the main role, you know, it had to have some charm to it. Oh yeah, yeah. It, well, you're right. It was very much a kind of a Bilko 
mm-hmm. Mikhail's Navy ripoff where he's in the service. And of course, all I remember is there was a big, tall, blonde guy that was dumb as a mud fence. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And Rickle, Thank you Rickles. for that memory. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember who that actor was. I don't think he was ever in anything else, but Probably him and Rickles, Rick, he was the perfect foil for Rickles. Yeah. That's, just that's so the word. Dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, man, as if that news wasn't bad enough yeah. to get this afternoon, then yeah. we get home. Right. And and it, it's so crazy that this ties into, uh, oh, we didn't even do, you're going to have to make a point where we go into the people who died theme song. Yeah. We didn't even stop to make that a thing, but. That's okay. I'll, it'll get in there. Because, uh, because then all of a sudden, in the People Who've Died segment, now there's an mm-hmm. Austin segment because we want to talk about, of course, that we saw Mark Marin last Friday at the Paramount, and he was yeah. hilarious. Yes. And he had this opening act named LaShonda Lester, who was the voted the funniest person in Austin in 2016. Yep. And she was fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah. She was really funny. I loved her. I laughed as hard as I could. I mean, I laughed at, at her as much as I laughed at Marin. She was genuinely funny. Yeah, she was a great opening act, and whatever expectations you had of her when she came on stage she shattered them because she was oh yeah completely she was she was yeah she was street smart she was sassy but she was intelligent and funny as hell you know oh yeah you know sometimes went, yeah I sometimes you know black women comedians kind of get stereotyped or typecast well she shattered all of those stereotypes and typecasting roles that's for sure she was she was great it, it she was perfect i mean just so funny i can't remember a single joke now i really can i'm terrible at remembering things but but i just remember i laughed and she went uh, uh, like 10 different places she went for the kind of street smart black chick jokes mm-hmm. and she went for the working woman jokes and she went for the mom jokes and she went you know she made all these jokes in all these different areas and made them work and you know she could talk like she was a hooker at one second and then talk like she was a you know a secretary at the next second and it was funny both you know she just had it all yeah i mean she she was originally she was originally from detroit and moved to austin i don't know how long ago but wow what a great addition to austin she was yeah, I think she said she moved here like in 2006 or something. She hadn't been here a super long time. Right. And yeah, she's just one of those things. So I, I don't know if we really said so. Of course, we found out today. We're saying all this in past tense because we found out today that she passed away today. And yeah, and and that was just shocking because we saw mm-hmm. her six days ago. Right. And, you know, she talked about the fact that she was on dialysis and that. Right. But she didn't seem. Like, you know, she's a big person, too. But, yeah. you know, there, she wasn't – she didn't seem sick, really. No, I mean, she seemed and, energetic and expressive and all, yeah. all together. And, yeah, she was great. So, yeah. It's, it's funny uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, anyone else tells you they're going through dialysis and you're like, oh, my goodness, that's, that's you know, devastating and, and – um, you know, Absolutely. what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's it, people do that, and that's all they getting up to do that is about all they can do during the day. Yeah, no I know shit. it's very taxing. You know, it's mm-hmm. taxing. It takes a lot out of people. Absolutely. And, but she talked about it, and you and you 
just kind of thought, oh, so this must be something she does every day or a couple times a week, and she must be fine because right. that's working for her. Of course, because- she, of course she had had mentioned that she had been in the hospital just a few few days prior to the show. So, you know, there was, there's obviously some concern there, but yeah. we were hoping, well, I, so, I hope she's going to be okay. Right. She seems so well that you just mm-hmm. you just you know and and she, and I read online today too that she's just a couple weeks away from recording a comedy central show right like, I was like man yeah she's like 2 weeks away from doing that so yeah that's uh wow man she was like it's, she yeah. was right on the cusp of of busting out as as a comedian right yeah mm-hmm. i she could have yeah and she's and deservedly so you know sometimes you Absolutely. see someone and you like them and they're good mm-hmm. i thought she was hilarious i'd love to you know you go see a comedian live one of the things i hate about seeing a comedian live is i forget every joke i forget everything well i laugh I, you know yeah. you know i laugh loud i mm-hmm. i have a great time <laughs> i love seeing comedians right. i laugh louder than anyone and at stuff nobody else laughs at <laughs> But, you know, right. But yes. I, I walk away and it's like, uh, you know, I don't remember a sing. you know, I don't remember a single joke she told. I just remember I laughed mm-hmm. consistently while she was on stage. Oh, yeah, that was she was a great opening act for Mark Marin. It really got the crowd, you know, feeling good and, and ready to have yeah. fun and energized. Man, everything you everything yeah. that the headliner wants in an opening act, that's for sure. Yeah. And, and um, that's funny because and I think, well, maybe the good thing is, too, is not that she was completely opposite from him, but she's certainly not, you know, she doesn't do what he does, really. True. I mean, to a certain degree, they were both kind of, they're both kind of, uh, I don't know what grumpy or whatever you want to say. Well, yeah, but they also, you know, they're also both social analyzers. Yeah, yeah, but so, just just yeah. different enough to make it interesting, where it wasn't like, oh, we saw Mark Maron and then we saw this person that does the same thing. Mark Maron, Mark Maron, right. stick. It was not. You know? yeah, it, it wasn't was, like that at all. No, it was not a Mark Maron clone by any means. Right. Well, she, yeah. She was great, was, and um, yeah, I mean, it's like. Somebody like Don Rickles who dies when they're 90, you're like, you're you're sad, but you're like, well, they had a good long life. But then someone like LaShonda right, Lester, yeah. still so young, and to lose her, it's, it's yeah, it's a tragedy. Yeah, I, you, I'm just sitting here like, man, I hope there's some video of her out there that gets, that gets shown because yeah. she deserved to be a, a big comedian, and she right. was funny and in a unique – she mm-hmm. had her own unique voice. Yeah, and um, definitely. I, and I, I, it's already a case of wow, what could have been. But hopefully, there's some footage out there that gets. Oh, I'm, I'm shown. sure. I'm sure there is, and it's nice to know that she did get some acknowledgement by winning the funniest, funniest person in Austin, right? 2016. Right. So that's good, and I'm sure there's plenty of video out there. Right now, I'm sure you could go on YouTube right now and find. Uh, at least a set or two, or who knows, even more. Oh, I uh, hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. I, now, when I'm, I'm now when do we're listening, <laughs> when we're listening back to this episode uh, after it gets posted, that will remind me to check and see if I can find any footage of her to post on the Facebook page. Absolutely. Because yes, that would be great. Mm-hmm. I would love to find some of her stuff and share it because it, it, it's funny. She's yes. funny, right? So yeah, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's been a hard day in uh, in the comedy world. Yeah, absolutely. So like I was saying, there was there was six days that went by 
between tapings of the show. Yeah. And for the first six days, the only person that that passed away that I even slightly knew who they were was a guy named Gilbert Baker. And he was a guy who created the the uh, LGBT rainbow flag back in the 60s or early 70s. It should Hmm. be early 70s. And he's actually they actually show that and kind of refer to it in Mm -hmm. the miniseries I was talking about a few episodes ago called When We Rise. Yeah. So I I felt kind of good because Gilbert Baker got some recognition for creating the rainbow flag thanks to that movie. Was he a character? um, Was he a minor character in that movie? Okay, cool. Yeah, fairly fairly minor, but it was a it was a, you know, the the main character in the miniseries is a guy named. um, Oh, I forgot his name. It just went out of my head. Cleve Jones. Uh huh. And Gilbert Baker and Cleve Jones were friends. Gilbert Gilbert Baker worked for Harvey Milk. Worked with Harvey Milk. Yeah. Um. To 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 promote Harvey Milk when he was running uh for office in San Francisco, so he was he's definitely mentioned in the miniseries and shown and kind of shown creating the rainbow flag. But it is a very minimal part of one episode. It's it's mm. almost just referred to a little more than that. But at least he kind of got referred to, and that was okay. made a part of the show. All right. And uh, so he was acknowledged. Okay, well, that's you know, good to know. For that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, well, oh, and I wanted to mention, too, that I happened to go on Amazon uh, just today, I think, and look to see if the the uh, When We Rise was available as a DVD. Uh-huh. And I didn't see that, but it was on Amazon Prime. So there are some streaming services that still have it. Ah, okay. So, um well, if somebody wanted to Sierra has, take a look at it. Yeah, Sierra has Amazon Prime. So, uh, hey, maybe I have an opportunity to see it and see oh, what cool. see what you loved so much about the miniseries, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. it's like I say, it's my roots. Right? Um, exactly. Or as my dad would say, that's my roots. <laughs> my um, roots. <laughs> that's my roots right there. there that you tree go. has strong roots. <laughs> So, uh, and I'll just, Mm. I got two things here. I'll mention a couple others and then I need, we need to do a couple, uh, referrals to last episode. Oh, some referrals to last episode. Are we still doing the people who died right now? I've still got a couple more. Okay. Well, let's hear them. But we can just kind of, uh, there was a guy named Paul O'Neill who was the founder of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Which, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I always confuse them with Mannheim Steamroller, but apparently they're two different things. (laughs) (laughs) I know, like Trans-Siberian Orchestra, don't they play at Christmas at the Paramount every year? I think they Uh, do, but maybe it's Mannheim Steamroller. uh, I don't know. They're they're too similar. <laughs> maybe they maybe they switch off every year. Maybe that's what it is. They take turns. <laughs> right. I don't know. Yep. They, and they and, both have one gig a year, and it's <laughs> or one gig Christmas every other year. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Man, I'm Steamroller does does a Christmas concert, and they they uh-huh. tour for a couple months oh, doing yeah. the Christmas show before before and around Christmas. But okay. I think Trans Siberian Orchestra did did too. But I don't know which song who does. Right. Yeah. Who I, does which song? I can't say that I know anything about it. I know very little about either band, but I know that I've heard them perform before. Yeah. Mm. And then there was a there was a, a a female comedian named Chelsea Brown, and that and she was on some episodes of Laugh In. She was Australian. Okay. 
And I feel like I recognize that name, but I can't place her. Yeah. I don't know if she was like, did Judy Carn quit one year and they brought in Chelsea Brown to replace her as the comedian <laughs> with an a- the female comedian with an accent? Or, yeah, that's very likely. Um, yeah, but mm. um, I saw that today too, and I was like, ah, that name just sounds familiar. I know I've seen her on Laughing. Uh-huh. It's sad that no, you know, somebody somewhere must rerun episodes of Laughing. I know you can buy it on DVD because yeah. they sold it for years on in the middle of the night, but it's got to be available. Yeah. So maybe we'll have to YouTube her as well and see if we can find anything out about her. But okay, uh, I just recognize that name. Hmm. So last week we talked about when um, Chuck Barris passed away, who the Gong Show guy. Yes, he did. And we mentioned we mentioned uh, the movie that he that's based on a book he wrote called Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Yes. And George, we talked about who directed it and not being able to remember. George Clooney directed that movie. I'm like, wow, George Clooney oh. directed Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. That surprised me when I looked it up. I did not know that, or I knew it and I, then forgot it. <laughs> that's what I, yeah, I knew that and then forgot it. And mm-hmm. then, you know, we were talking about J.P. Morgan, who was a, uh, a judge on the gong show a lot, female. And um, we were talking about how she maybe was in plays on Broadway or we weren't sure. She was a singer. I didn't realize she was a singer. Like, she was a singer in the 50s. And uh, one of her signature songs was Life is Just a Bowl of Cherries, a song that I know well. But I didn't know J.P. Morgan was the one of the singers. Huh. Okay. Well, yeah, I didn't know yeah. that either. Okay. Well, thank you for referencing that because we were definitely questioning what, what her claim to fame was. Yeah, and I, w- I was listening to the last episode, and I was like, hey, that reminds me. I need to Wikipedia her, <laughs> because Wikipedia, as we discussed on the last episode, is everything in the world to me. And uh, <laughs> and sure enough, they were talking about how she was a singer, and, and mainly in the 50s. And she was on a couple TV shows, you know, back in the day, in the 50s, when they used to have a lot of shows that were singing shows, like Sing Along with Mitch and those kind of shows. Okay. She She did some shows like that that I think were less less popular versions of shows like that oh okay all right so she was a a c-list celebrity i would say so yes yeah known as being a singer mm-hmm. until she became known much more well known for being a judge on, on the gong show yeah the gong show right yeah yep okay agreed so that's the uh, people who've died segment so it is Do you want to talk about the Mark Marin show, or do you want to do the Twin Peaks moment? Um, <laughs> I didn't know I was going to stymie you with that question. <laughs> stymie? Oh. Let me put my derby on, because I'm stymied. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't you remember stymie? He wore a derby, a black derby on his head on Little Rascals. No. You don't was remember he a stymie? black character? Yeah. Vaguely. Yeah. Just, uh, with his black derby. Yeah, I can yeah, see him in my derby. mind now. Yeah. Yeah. I watched a lot of Little Rascals when I was a kid. Yeah, me too. Me too. Whenever possible. Alfalfa might have something to do with me being gay. (laughs) That cute little boy with his hair poking up. That might have really installed Uh, some some homosexuality in me. Sure, that's got to be it. Especially when (laughs) when he sang the song, I'm in the mood for love, with his squeaky voice. Yeah. 
<laughs> and that's and that's why I like freckle faced. I don't know. <laughs> Freckle-faced twinks with with uh, stuff poking out on them. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Okay. That What's hair that? is phallic. If that hair isn't phallic, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is pretty phallic. Because when you got excited, it would like stick up even straighter. It would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was. Oh man. That, that was no accident. No. No. Yeah, that that was, was. That was intentional. Homoerotica in Little Rascals. Hell yeah, that was Hal Roach being a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's talk about Marin. Let's then we can jump into uh, other stuff. Yeah, the twi- the Twin Peaks stuff I have is just some minor stuff. So, because um, that can be part of the, the the whole TV segment. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, right. Where's our Austin theme song? Austin, 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 <laughs> Austin. <laughs> Austin, 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 Austin. Well, there we go. I don't have a coffee cup in here. God damn it! Oh, I've got a salt and pepper shaker. Hang on. Oh, there you go. Austin, 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 Austin. Okay. You know, I'm still serious. Someone, you know, maybe I guess I'll have to do the the Google search, but. I don't think there's a familiar song about Austin that that uh, you know not everyone has to know it, but like that when you said it, most people would go, "Oh yeah, I've heard that song." There's no song about Austin. Am I? Is there one that's just really like obvious and I'm just missing it? I don't know because like you know, I, I know there's. I always thought that there was some Willie Nelson song that at least mentions Austin at least one of the uh, verses, but I just don't know. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do wish, some googling. Yeah, I wish there was. You know a, how I am. I wish Late there at night, was. I like to Google. I wish there was some. <laughs> you're right. I wish there was some sort of technology that we could search for. You know. Uh, I know, right? So. There should be something. But anyway, let's talk about the Mark Marin show. That's what's really important. Right. So as as we mentioned before during our "The People Who Died" segment, that we went to the Paramount Theater and saw Lashonda Lester as the opening act to uh, Mark Marin. And uh, so, yeah, we saw Mark Maron. And he was great. Yeah. Oh, my God. What a great show. He's exactly like um, he is in his podcast. Go figure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, like we talked about, I've never really listened to his podcast. Uh And I I remember seeing him as a stand-up many years ago. Um, And he still does the same kind of shtick the still the same kind of i'm a, i guess depressed guy shtick would be what you would call it but you know i've i remember thinking he was funny back in the day and and he was super funny uh at the paramount i loved every second of it i was glad you know we kind of didn't made a last minute decision to go and uh well, i'm so glad true. that we did cuz i loved it man yeah i got i think i got tickets what 3 days before the show maybe 2 days i can't yeah. remember <laughs> Yeah, and I was, I think, well, you definitely got him before we saw the Psychedelic Furs, so I think you got him on Tuesday, and we were, went to, or Monday or Tuesday, we went to see the Furs on Wednesday, and then he was on Friday. Yeah. And so, um, so, uh, and I really thought, mm-hmm. I really thought when you asked me about going, I was like, oh, do I really want to go? We're, you know, 
I'll barely be recovered from the P first show <laughs> and I got to work the next morning. Right. And I was like, but it's a comedian. There's no, there's no physical activity involved. You just got to sit there and listen and laugh. Right. That's true. We're not going to be standing up and dancing. So <laughs> it, was, right. it would be easy. I'm not going to drink, t- not going to drink 10 beers and then, you know, right. Come home and fall asleep in the front door. Yeah. The the only thing I regret is that I would have purchased tickets beforehand so we could have been a little closer up. I mean, I don't I don't know why. It was like I really I kept saying, you know, I really want to go to the show. I really want to go to the show, but I kept putting it off. It's my bad procrastination gene or something. But well, you know, I've been I've been listening so you know, I've been li- Yeah, I've been listening to the Marin uh podcast for, you know, the the WTF podcast for a couple of years now and I've seen every episode of his uh, IFC TV show, Marin, and he's. I think he's he's going to be on some other series coming up pretty soon. I'm sure I'll watch all of those. And so I, I don't know what took me so long to purchase the tickets. I love the guy. I love everything about him. I love well, his interview style and his guests. So anyway. so I mean, I saw, you know, I uh-huh. kept seeing it come up on my Facebook feed, Mark Marin at the Paramount. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought, hmm, should I say something to Mark? And then I'm like, oh, Mark already, you know, Mark's on Facebook. He's probably seen this. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought, hmm, if Mark wanted to go, I think he would say something. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, you know, after, and after you do that once, then it comes up again and again. And you're just like, huh? Well, no, I, you know, I've already thought about this. Mark's, Mark would say something if he wanted to go and you just kind of scroll past and forget about it. And I, I should have asked you way earlier, mm-hmm. uh, Hey, do you want to go to Mark Mayer? Because I, I kind of wanted to go. Right. It, but I it, thought you would. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, if Mark wants to go, I'll go. And then right. know, I should have I should have prodded you earlier. Yeah. But it, as I'm want to do. Yeah. But anyway, it, it, it came down to the last few days before the show. And I finally said, screw this. This this should not be, you know, an issue to mull over this is a, a definite yes you know who knows if, if you know if he'll ever i'm sure he'll probably come back to austin but you never know so yeah strike while the iron is hot and all those other cliches and so we did and what a great show it was oh it was amazing well of course he comes out and the first thing he does at least 15 minutes maybe 20 minutes about trump that oh, was yeah. just fucking hilarious oh right uh, again I made some notes about the things he talked about. I can't remember any of the jokes. Okay. But um, but I just remember it started with Trump, and I was like, oh, I like this already. And it just, <laughs> right. it just, you know, he, 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 and oh, there was a whole thing about Trump supporters and Tom Petty fans, yeah, being the same people or something that was just fucking hilarious. <laughs> right. It was like you know somehow you gotta you gotta somehow find a way to bridge the gap and communicate with these people, and they probably like Tom Petty and. <laughs> yes. So yeah, so, yeah there was, so when they start talking uh, about Trump, just talk about Petty to distract them or whatever. Right. But yeah, find find uh, common ground problem. instead of find common ground instead of mulling over <laughs> what divides us. Find something that brings us together. You know, we got to get through this. <laughs> like, like Tom Petty. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was hilarious. Okay, that was. It was indeed. that was funny. Mm-hmm. And then of course, you know the fucking. The fucking ten minutes of the roll go into the Rolling Stones concert. Oh yeah! Wow, what a great story that was. Hmm. That was awesome. And then uh, fucking ten minutes about Dave Matthews. That was fucking hilarious. <laughs> right. I was just like, oh my god. And then uh, 
it's funny because you think all he talked about is musicians, but he talked about a lot of stuff. But those were three things that I just remembered, you know. Right. He covered a lot of ground. So good. (laughs) Yeah, I think. uh, Yeah. After that, I don't think you'll ever have Dave Matthews as a a guest on his podcast. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) No. Although I know it's all in good. Again, you know, come on. They're great musicians. But. um, Right. (laughs) But the. But when he was talking about the Stones, I thought it was it was hilarious how he was so worried that they were going to come out and it was going to be sad because they're so old. <laughs> right. But luckily, right. he was he was pleasantly surprised for the most part, except for Mick Jagger's prancing. He didn't like prancing yeah. prancing it in in your seventies apparently. Right. Yeah, that crazy <laughs> putting his hands behind his waist. Right. Kind of rooster. I think it's supposed to be like a rooster's strut. Yeah, rooster strut. But it looks, it just looks gay as gay could be. And Jagger's right. done it his whole career. Sure. And I mean, uh, which is fine when you're 20 or 30 or 40, but when you get, maybe even or, 40, yeah, or, but 70, or, no. Yeah, when yeah, when you get into your 50s, 60s, and 70s, it just starts to look weird. <laughs> It does. Uh, so Marin, well, I Marin think, was hilarious I, the I, way he way he uh, uh, mimicked it though on stage. Oh yeah, he did it perfectly, mm-hmm. and I think it's really funny because I think too that's kind of universal. Although I like the Rolling Stones, I knew exactly what he was talking about. Uh-huh. You know, I kind of felt the same way when we bought tickets to see Brian Ferry and the Psychedelic Furs. Uh-huh. You know, I I checked today, and uh, Richard Butler of the Psychedelic Furs is like sixty one years old. Yeah, and I'm like. Damn, you wouldn't one. You know, he doesn't look like a young kid anymore, like he no. did when he was younger. But right, but he doesn't really look sixty-one. You might think he's mid forties. I mean, and know that he's really in his fifties. But I didn't think he was sixty-one. Uh-huh. And he put on a hell of a show. Hell yeah, he did. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, we raved about it last episode. So yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I when you when you when you step back and go, Jesus, that guy is sixty one, and I think Brian Ferry's closer to seventy because I think Easily. he's somewhere yeah. near Bowie's age. Right. And um and and you're just like, damn, those guys, you know, those shows could have been sad, you know. And I mm-hmm. was kind of actually worried about them because I've seen some pictures of of Richard Butler on Facebook over the past couple of years and he's, you know, it's not that he seems ancient, but uh-huh. you know, he's not the cute cute guy he was when he was young well, and I was young and I thought he was hot, you know. Right. But, but you know, you know, both of those guys, amazing shows. Yeah, who is the cute young man that they once were? I know I'm not. <laughs> I'm not, that's for sure. And yeah, you know, so, that's why that's, that's why I'm like McConaughey when it comes to musicians. It's like, yeah, I like these new musicians. They keep coming out with new musicians, new new songs, new new guys. And, I, I, you know, I stay the same age. I'm <laughs> into Troy Sivan. He's 21 years old. I think he's awesome and really hot. Yeah, right. Okay. That's what I want from my musicians, man. Well, there I want you go. them to be awesome and hot. So right, but uh, you know, but it definitely gives gives you hope when you see uh, one of the musicians you idolized uh, in your youth still kicking it out and keeping it fresh. Yeah, the, absolutely. The psychedelic Furs definitely did that for for me, and I'm sure for you they as did. well. There was, mm-hmm. I, they did. You know, when you really think about it, I, there wasn't a moment of that show that wasn't where they weren't rocking. 
I mean, even exactly. when they did a couple of the slower songs, the, it wasn't like Butler, you know, ever took a break or, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes there's that thing where there's some kind of long, drawn out thing where the musicians do solos. Yeah. Uh, so so the band, so the singer can take a break or whatever, you know, no, there was none mm. of that. He just rocked out for, no. for almost two hours and then, you know. Right. And just put on a hell of a show where they did many of their hit songs. So Right. And anyway. uh, his brother... Tim, the bass player, he was looking a bit jowly, but man, he he was high energy, just like uh, anyone he on was, stage yeah. there. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, yeah. So it's like and yeah. we were talking about Mars Williams, oh. the saxophone player too. Oh. Who he's been around for a long time. Man, and I you think, know, I think he, amazing. Yeah, he might be the the new uh, hardest working man in show business. <laughs> he may be. I mean, you know, the and what's great is the first, you know. Always had a saxophone player in the yes. band, pretty much. Yes. And um, and so you know when they tour, there has to be a sax player, or it's really or it, it would be too stripped down for my in my opinion for the first. Yeah. And you know he oh, he just yeah. rocked it out with the, with them as well. It was great. Anyway, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I guess Mark you could. Mark Maron. Yeah, Mark Maron. <laughs> I've got one quote of Mark Maron's that I had to write down and I, I think I texted it to you just so I wouldn't forget. Yeah, I've got it here too, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's uh in the future we will all be immortalized as content. I thought that was Yeah, amazing. it wasn't in the future, it was no. just we will all be immortalized, immortalized as content. As content, right. Maybe he said one yeah. Yeah. I, um which I was like, man, that's the logical extension to Warhol's uh-huh. in the future Everyone will be famous for 15 minutes. Exactly. Uh, yeah. You I mean, know, it's, it's we're a complete that, parallel to that. And, yeah. Uh, we're we're so. in the future now, and the future is this. We will all be immortalized as content, mm-hmm. which is one of the greatest quotes of all time. It should be on fucking every web page. Yeah. It should be the, oh, yeah. the fucking... Um, should be the motto of the internet, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, no doubt. It's great. Um, I mean, just that's just a brilliant quote. Yeah, it's so true. Thoughts. I mean, just think of every every little uh, every little comment you make on Facebook or in our case, you know, we've been immortalized in content as uh, Lube TV and in this podcast now. Right? We're, we're online forever. You know? We're online and, forever. And I and I had a movie review website that still you can still find if you hunt for it. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah. So there I, yeah, you I are. mean that is Mm-hmm. You know, there's a there's a U2 song that from their album, no, I think it's called No Line on the Horizon, which was probably mid 90s, maybe late 90s. That album came out, mm-hmm. maybe early 2000s. Anyway, one of Bono's lyrics is or Bono's lyrics Bono. is uh, mm-hmm. I got it. you, babe. No. <laughs> oh, no, that's Bono. <laughs> Yeah. God damn it. Of course, I can't think of the exact quote now, but it's something okay. basically that says like, anyway, he says something like when media, when new media was the big idea. Mm-hmm. I was like, and I thought that's really emblematic of the times of the early 2000s. You know, it yeah. wasn't about create creating new music. It was about creating new ways to store music. It wasn't about taking oh. pictures. It was about creating uh-huh. new ways to, to store pictures, to store video, the age of Mm. The age when new media was the big idea, and I was like, "Man, that is a that is a perfect phrase that encapsulates right. these times," you know. It, and I yeah. think this is a perfect phrase that encapsulates these times. We will all be immortalized as content. <laughs> Definitely genius, genius. Right. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, 
sometimes people say stuff that just really affects me that sticks with me and that that uh, you know it's just like that bono lyric that i couldn't re- quite remember exactly how it went but i just remember mm-hmm. when i heard that it stuck with me i'm like this is this is someone who's just said the perfect sentence that that defines this moment in time yeah okay i'm gonna have to look that quote up now the bono one or the the, the bono mark one. Maron one no the, the mark yeah. Maron one we heard <laughs> I do believe it. I do believe the the Bono one is in the A. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, you'll have to look it up. All right. Um, and everybody out there listening, the other, if you really want to know, look it up. Yes. Pause the podcast and look it up. Yes. Um, the other thing, uh, Marin did this whole fucking ten minute segment on, and then used it as a callback on talking about how people watch all these TV shows that are on all these small networks and streaming services yeah and he came up with one called clomper tv <laughs> oh, that's like, hey, right yeah right have you seen this show superior dicks or i can't remember what the you know he <laughs> made up a couple show names uh-huh. it's on clomper you got clomper oh you should get clomper man <laughs> yeah oh, it's fucking hilarious mm-hmm. and then and then he did a whole uh the bit about it was that was great for austin where he was talking about yeah uh, the main, the thing you're going to hear most in Austin, if you hang out with musicians is, yeah, I went to LA for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, and of course the, the, the parallel to that, which was, yeah, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was like, oh my God, it's like he's lived uh, in Austin. Yeah. It's almost like he had the finger on the pulse there, man. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can tell that, uh, Austin is one of, uh, Marin's favorite towns in the country i think well you know it's it started as a great college town which a guy like him is going to thrive mm-hmm. in a great college town yeah and then his audience has gotten older with him and now austin is more than just a college town and and the people who lived here ha- have that same kind of uh negative humor <laughs> okay I, you I know see where you're going depre- with that yeah like, that depressed negative humor that he does so well. I mean, that's why I like him. He's, he, <laughs> you know, he talks like I think, you know. Uh huh. It may just be that Austin is this one lovely little blue gem in the middle of a red state. And, uh, <laughs> well, that too. Yes. What's, what's not to love? Well, the, what I love most about Austin is it's uh, the perfect town to live in if you just like to bitch about stuff. <laughs> and God knows that's right. my favorite thing in the world. So it's the perfect <laughs> yeah. city for me. It's the, if I lived in a town that was great, you know, if I lived in Austin in the 80s, mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, this town's so podunk. Why don't they get Starbucks here? <laughs> there was no Starbucks wow. in the East, but you know what I mean. No matter where I was, I was going to complain about it. Yes. I'd just like to say Austin, the city of first world problems. It is. Indeed, it is. <laughs> that should be our – that should replace – well, actually, <laughs> the, music the slogan the that should re- – <laughs> the slogan that should replace live music capital of the world should be, uh, we will all be immortalized as content. Yeah. Austin. Wow. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, I wonder how many podcasts there are that come out of Austin. I bet there's counting ours. I bet there's a hundred. Oh, who knows? There could, there, there could be thousands for all we know. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there's, I, looked a, up, there, uh, I wonder if there's a way to, uh, to determine that metric. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. Well, I don't know. I looked up the other day to see if the, how many LGBT 
podcasts there were, and there were hundreds. Uh, I was like, oh my God, there uh, are hundreds and hundreds of them. Sure. And and of course, every subgenre and niche of gay life as well. You know, there's the Bears podcast and mm-hmm. the Honor podcast and the Twink podcast and the Wow. You know. Oh, I can imagine the uh, gays in this city and gays in that city. And then of course there's all the lesbian podcasts and mm-hmm. the trans podcasts. Anyway, oh, yeah. it's uh, there yeah, were a lot. It's amazing. I mean, we every interest group, uh, ethnic group, sexual orientation group, uh, movie group, music group, everything. Just to ponder how many podcasts there are on every subject. I mean, we we yes, we already are immortalized as content. It's got to be true. Yeah, it's yes. true. The whole the whole not not just the whole generation, but every generation is mm. immortalized as content already. I'm sure there are yeah. elder podcasts and you know, podcasts for people who like knitting and podcasts for people who do quilting and Well, that's true. You know, yeah. I mean, any like, hobby or interest or proclivity, it's it's got to be there. You just you got to do a search and you can find it. It's amazing. You know how to make girls come, right? Tickle their proclivity. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But I'm ching. But of course. That's what happens when you use those $10 words around me. I'll make a joke (laughs) about it. You just got to use your tongue. (laughs) Oh. Right. I gave, I I put the dice, the Andrew (laughs) Dice Clay exclamation point on that one. Yes, you did. (laughs) Yes, you did. Anyway, uh, Twin Peaks moment. You got the music queued up for that. Are we moving into TV land? Well, yeah. Kind of, sort of. We can talk about some other stuff. There's a couple other things I wanted to talk about, too. I got so much stuff. You know, every week I've just got tons and tons of stuff. Tell me about what... What's new and... No, tell me what topic you want to talk about that references Twin Peaks. Well, just a couple things. Okay. One, um, and and this actually plays into the TV thing too. Um, Ooh. Uh, I was I was waiting to watch. You know this show I've been talking about on Vice Land that's called Outsiders. That's about like uh, outsider movie directors and movie makers. Right. I I was waiting to watch that show because for some reason now they're putting it on late on Friday nights. I don't know why, like hmm. at eleven o'clock. Okay. And and before it, they happened to be rerunning. Uh, they happened to be running Blue Velvet, the um, the David Lynch movie, of course. Okay. And uh and so it's on Vice, which I I guess I've never really noticed whether Vice uses foul language or not in their shows. Mm-hmm. But they were running kind of the edited for TV Blue Velvet. Ugh. And and so like, it's so funny because uh, Dennis Hopper. Every other word out of his mouth in that movie is fuck. of course. But they've turned it into freak or freaking. So it's like, I'll send you a freaking love letter, freak. Straight from my freaking heart, freak. You know what a freaking love letter is, freak? (laughs) It's a freaking bullet and a freaking gun, freak. I was just like, oh, my God. It's almost almost like a new language or something. It was just so ridiculous. Well, so that, horrible. Yeah, that that's frustrating, and I, I can't watch movies that are heavily edited like that. Oh, I know. Heineken, freak that stuff. Pat's <laughs> Blue Ribbon. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, completely, so, it was like, completely wrecks 
the quote. Well, or yeah, and the whole thing. I mean, here's this guy who's supposed to be the evilest motherfucker you ever met in your life. Right. And he and he just says, freak this and freak that. Mm-hmm. And he, of course, because he says the F word so much, it's in it's at least once per sentence in Frank's in, you know, Dennis Hopper's character's dialogue of course and it's just like oh my god you can't watch this on tv anyone no. who watches it on tv is not even getting no um, i mean it's it's like it's like blacking out portions of an important novel it wrecks it right yeah it, it right did. exactly it's or it's you know. like if 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 they called jim in uh huck finn and were jim it would just not be the same <laughs> right. okay it's not right. the same well, yeah. it, or, or, or putting a fig leaf on the statue of David. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. It um, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, and I was uh, just like, well, yeah. How did, how did they handle the nudity in Blue Velvet? Did they do, uh, were they, were they crop the image or did they do a blurring effect or did they just cut a scene out so, altogether? Mostly they, they would like zoom, they would kind of like not zoom in, but they would, when it cut to a scene where someone was naked, they would enlarge it so the person right. was just kind of right. so slightly they, in frame or half in frame. Yeah, they cropped frame. it. Yeah, they cropped it. Yeah, they basically cropped it by enlarging it. Mm-hmm. And there was one scene where um, Kyle McLaughlin goes to the closet to get his clothes after he's hidden in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can see his butt and they blurred it because okay. there was just no way to, to do that scene without blurring it. Right. And his butt's only on there for like two or three seconds. Yeah. But and then, you know, creatively cut the rest of it. But I was just like, you know, and that I kind of, you know, it still seemed OK. But the freak using the word freak is uh, yeah. here's to your freak, Frank, here's <laughs> to your freak, Frank. Yeah, that doesn't um, make any the, sense. Yeah. And 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 so I only watched it because it was on and I was doing some other things. And went, like I said, waiting for that other show to come on. Mm-hmm. The other thing I really noticed is that scene with um, Dean Stockwell and and um, Dennis Hopper and Kyle McLaughlin, where they go to Dean Stockwell's house and he's all made up and he. Right. And he and sings that, into the trouble know, light. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I've noticed before, it's just been a long time since I saw it, but that scene is so homoerotic. There's a lot of subtext going on in that scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Dean Stockwell character. I'm sure I've noticed it before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Um, To be sure. Yeah. Um, so, so it, it, it of course leads you to wonder, what are they doing to that little boy and the, and the husband that they're keeping hidden in the other room? What the hell's going on in there? (laughs) Yeah. But they're they just have uh, uh, what's her name's kid held to to control um, the, Dorothy Valance. Yeah, Dorothy Valance. Uh, Isabella Rossellini. Right, Isabella Rossellini's character is yeah being controlled by them holding her son. Of course, yeah, who knows what else they're doing uh, to her son, right? Yeah, Mark. It, if you don't think that kid's getting molested, you're well, you're living in a dream world. Well, okay. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, but you I know, mean, it's it's certainly implied. Now that you mention it, yeah, I I, I think that's patently obvious. So, right. Yeah. So. And also patently obvious. So. Shut up. Um, <laughs> um, so the other little bit of kind of David Lynch related thing is, uh, you oh. know, I watched Dune on DVD for the first time. I'd never seen Dune. When? Uh, when did you I watch it? it? Well, I watched it on DVD about a month ago. It's been on my notes. Oh. It's something I wanted to talk about, but we just keep okay not having time. Right. And. 
you know, I don't know that there's that much to talk about. It's an interesting movie. It's very it's for a Lynch movie, but it's obviously deeply flawed mm-hmm. and, and weird, oh, yeah. and also kind of um, ant uh, kind of what's the word anti LGBT? It's kind of homo homophobic, for lack okay. of a better word. There's a couple characters that are kind of weird. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, here's the here's the only thing I was thinking of. There's a scene, you know, I didn't realize this. There's a there's a little girl towards the end of it, then she's like five or six years old, right? Okay. Do you remember that? Not really. Okay. I've been trying to blot she's, that movie out. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. She's somebody's. I think she's somebody's little sister or something. She supposedly is going to be important when she grows up. Maybe she's one uh. of the women's. Okay. One of the women's kids or whatever. Anyway, it's Alicia Witt playing that character, and she's a little girl, and Alicia Witt has been in Lynch stuff. And so she's – I didn't realize she was in that as a little girl. But, hmm. yeah. Um, what else has she been in? She's in Hotel Room, and I do believe she's going to be in the reboot of Twin Peaks. Oh, okay. And I feel like she's been in something else as well. But, you know, she's a really interesting actress, and I've always mm-hmm. liked her. Um, and so I was surprised when I was like, man, she's just a little girl in this. And they have her dressed up, and she's got, like, some kind of bonnet or something on. Uh-huh. And it's like, is, it, is this supposed to be an homage to Clint Howard in the Star Trek original <laughs> series? Or what the fuck is this? <laughs> it's just like... It's just like, is that is that what this is? Is that an homage to Clint Howard playing the baby kid? On anyway, um, that's hilarious. Thank you. I you, I thought that would be you, funny. Yeah. How do, how do you how do you spell wit and Alicia Wit? W I T T. Okay. She's redheaded. She was on Sybil Shepherd's show, Sybil. As one of the daughters, and uh, uh, she was also in Walking Dead last year. Oh. She was one of the women that uh, she was like the main woman that Carol dealt with at one point. She was when they were in in uh, uh, um, Alexandria. No, she was in. Uh, remember when there was they went into the um, are they called the Saviors? What is Negan's group called? Yeah, the Saviors. Yeah, remember when they when they invaded that compound. And mm-hmm. they were going to kill people, and and um, oh, they thought that was all of the saviors. Right. And then uh, yeah. she was like a, a strong female character that fought Carol, and you thought Carol might die. Yes. Um, but Carol turned her into a zombie somehow, I think. Right. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So one of the reasons I brought up Dune as well was not only uh-huh. did I just see it for the first time ever, and and okay. that's an, always an interesting experience if you're a Lynch fan. True. But apparently they're they're going to make remake Dune, and there's a there's a guy working on the script who was the guy whoever wrote Forrest Gump. I can't remember the guy's name, but apparently he's rewriting he's writing a new script for a remake of Dune. Hmm. Okay, well, I think it's warranted. Right. Not because Lynch's version wasn't interesting, but I think it didn't truly do justice to the novel. Right. You know? I think, yeah. Seems to me like Dune would be better served as some kind of a miniseries or, hmm. you know, like a like someone like Netflix or... And that may be what well, this eventually comes to be because... That could be interesting. Aren't there... There's several Dune novels. There's a yeah. whole Dune universe. Oh, definitely. And I think so. Yeah. Um, 
Because it seemed like Lynch's version of Dune, there was just a lot of standing around and talking. Yeah, there. I guess there was a little <laughs> bit of that, and then and then they're in the fucking desert with the sand blowing forever, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. It just it's it's not a pleasant movie by any no. way, shape, or form. Yeah, you find yourself kind of looking at the clock after a while. I guess so. Yeah, unfortunately. I, I mean, I hate to say that about you know, a Lynch project, but. He didn't write it, so I think that's part of the problem. No, he were, didn't he write it? I thought he wrote it. Well, I mean, the, oh, the, the source, source material. material was obviously yeah. from a novel, so uh, I don't know how much creative control he necessarily had, or maybe he had too much yeah, creative well, control. I, I don't think he had... I know he didn't have Final Cut. I, I, I think that was part of the deal, was he, mm, was, okay. he was disappointed in it because they made him do things he didn't want to do, and he didn't have Final Cut. And oh, so I think it was. It's a really bad. Um, okay. It's a really bad experience for him, which is one of the reasons he doesn't uh, talk about it too much. Mm. Okay. Well, uh, here's for good reason. Here's, here it says we're. Here's some just a couple things I wrote. Uh, um, it's hard to take. It's hard to take this movie seriously when a, the character's name in a sci-fi epic is Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my name is Paul. Oh wait, no, that's that's in blue velvet. That's that's in blue velvet. Yeah, and and then I was watching it, and it reminded me a lot of um, fucking. Do you remember when they did the uh, did the uh, '80s version of Flash Gordon, and it was called Flash, and and Queen did the music? Yes, Flash. of course. Oh yeah, oh, it reminded me of that. It was almost like. <laughs> It, almost like, you know, it was silly and campy and over the top, like Sting's definitely over the top in it. Yeah. The CGI is kind of crazy. Uh, um, well. Tons of awful narration. and I don't think they even had CGI in, when they made Flash Gordon, the, <laughs> the remake of Flash Gordon. Yeah, it was all it was green all, screened, I yeah, think. Yeah, it was all green screen stuff, right? Yeah. So, yeah. More like Flash Gordon than Star Wars, that's what I wrote. Mm, hmm. Oh, right. As far as the way Dune looked, except yeah, know. and just the feel of the movie. The feel of the movie wasn't particularly. I mean, Star Wars is a very kind of genre. Cow, you know, I'm not a big Star Wars fan because it's mm. it's like a shoot 'em up, and I think they were going more. They yeah, were going for that Star Wars feel, trying to get that Star Wars thing, and they ended up getting more of the Flash thing. I think, but. Oh, okay, you say when they made Dune, you thought they were trying to go for more Star Wars, but it ended up looking more like Flash Gordon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I'd agree with that. With without the good music of Flash Gordon, right? <laughs> sort yeah, of. That too. Yeah. <laughs> but you do get all the Lynchian things like steam and bubbling water and and all the all yeah. the wonderful things you've come to expect from well, from uh, Lynch. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Kyle McLaughlin and, and Dean Stockwell. Right. Also, um, fucking Captain uh, Picard is in it. Uh, uh, Patrick, Patrick Patrick Stewart. Stewart. Yeah. Patrick that, Stewart's in it. And then that's true. Um, and um, Miguel Ferrar, his father. Uh, Jose. Jose Ferrar is in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was like, oh, I wonder if by casting Mel Ferrar and meeting him, if that's how he met Miguel Ferrar. It's very possible. Who knows? Yeah, hmm. yeah. There was a lot of very Lynchian things about it that I that were interesting. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely not 
a Lynch film and not right. surely not his best film, obviously. And well, I, that, that's just so, anyway. Yeah, it's just I don't just don't think that's his genre to begin with. You know, I think it was he was miscast as a director. Right. For right. That, I, yeah. Yeah. Although I think if you gave you know if they'd have just let him set him free and let him do what he wanted to do, he could have made it interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, possibly if or, it was more Lynchy and it it yeah. could be better. Yeah, if you had say if he had been given final cut, you never know. Of course, right, it, of course, right, it may have yeah. it may have ended up being a four hour film though too. Well, and I think that was part of it, wasn't it? That he wanted it to be a lot longer, and they cut a bunch of it out. And mm-hmm. Dino Dino De Laurentiis wanted, and I think at a certain yeah. point, didn't they try and release a longer cut? I don't know. I don't know either. There's a lot of history to that film, yeah. Right, but none of it makes it better. So. Yeah. But uh, I can see that, you know, the book being an epic, you'd want to make the film epic in proportion. But a four-hour film, though. Didn't quite work out. Yeah, that's hard. It was. Yeah, well, you know. You know. Dude, that's why I say it would be it would be best served as a miniseries, I hope. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what they'll eventually do with it, because I think it's um, there's just so much story there that it's hard to do it as, a, as just a movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 definitely got to be a monumental effort to undertake. It's like you know trying to do a, a you know a film of war and peace. It's just such a long and drawn out epic story. It's that funny. How do you cover I it all? Just I just bought a copy of the DVD version of War and Peace that came out a couple of years ago with Kira Knightley in it, uh-huh. simply because I don't know anything about War and Peace, and I kind of was like, yeah, I'll watch the movie. Yeah. And I haven't watched it yet. I think I've oh. got it for five bucks on Amazon. So. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. At least we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, maybe sh- maybe it's, an- do- <laughs> maybe it's another Dune. It could be. Yeah. I figured it's like the the Crib Notes version of the of the of the story. Right. Cliff Notes. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. if you're going to do Cliff Notes with Kira Knightley, then okay, I'm, I'll watch. <laughs> sure. Why not? Okay. All right, you ready to talk about TV shows? Yeah, let's talk about TV shows. Cue music. TV Heaven. That song's called That song's called TV Heaven. It's by a band called Red Tape. I got this I got this um little four song EP seven inch on red vinyl hmm. in nineteen eighty one when I worked for uh I think it was Record Town was the name of the uh. place I worked. Maybe it was it was it was like there was Hastings bought out a, another rival record store, mm-hmm. and uh, I had I had interviewed with this guy for from Hastings and Records, and he was like, "Oh, we just bought. I think it was Record Town. Um, do you want to go up there and work?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah, I'll work at Record Town." So anyway, <laughs> um, that's where I met the Judys as well. The Judys came in because oh wow, once these That's once Hastings cool. bought it. 
Yeah, Hastings. Well, it wasn't for them. They were they were they weren't happy because Hastings bought the record store, and then there's things called consignments, you know, where local bands put their records in there, and then oh, right, you, know, you pay them for the records you sell. Mm-hmm. So the Judy's had a consignment deal with whoever owned that record store beforehand, and then oh. Hastings didn't do that anymore. So oh, that deal Hastings went was away. Like, Come get your records. Mm. Oh no. Poor the Judys. And I was like, uh, so I, when I met them, I was like, yeah, I love you guys. You guys are great and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, they're getting records taken out of the store I work at. So <laughs> it was, it was yeah. I'm just, you know, it's a shitty moment for them. Right. So they couldn't fully um, appreciate the accolades where, you were putting on them. So that's too bad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where I found this, so- this song on the, on the, on a, it's a band called Red Tape. I don't know anything about them. Never been able to find anything about them online or anywhere. I think they hmm. were from Pearland, but I'm not as as the Judys were, but okay. I'm not sure. So, uh, so I'm really hoping that someone contacts us and says, "Oh, that's our song. Stop using it." No, I'm <laughs> really hoping it could happen. Someone contacts us and, right. and can tell me more. Tell me more about this band because I've had this record for. Um, five years and i don't know anything about this band there's four songs and they're all a minute and a half and um uh i love them all so great we've got new theme music for our tv segment then we got and then and surely the the rights have gone away so again i don't think we're breaking any rules by playing the song because i don't think uh, i don't think anyone has kept the rights up on this song so anyway because you were talking about we're, it, that puts it under fair use. There we go. There it is. So, and we only use we use less than thirty seconds of it too. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, TV heaven. Okay. <laughs> you want to do Walking Dead or Bates or Riverdale or Feud? Well, before we get into that, I want to talk to you about something because it's kind of a callback to a previous uh, episode where you were talking about um, that TV show that you like so much that's uh, on after some other show that we both watch uh, about the, uh, is it Modern Family? The one with the transgendered uh, uh, son? The teenager, The Fosters, that's it. But anyway, you were talking anyway. about that and about how that show was... Pushing uh, boundaries mm-hmm. of, about pushing show, boundaries and, and it pushes the boundaries of what a show uh, for young adults would be about. Exactly, and for uh, teenagers, right? Yeah. So anyway, that okay. being said, there's a show that has recently pushed an envelope that's never been pushed. And what oh. is that show? You may be asking. It's a show on Showtime called Billions, and uh, <laughs> which is strange because it's. Uh, you know, the main storyline, it's basically a war between a U.S. attorney, played by Paul Giamatti, and a hedge fund king, played by Damian Lewis, and uh, where the U.S. attorney is trying to trap this hedge fund king when his illicit dealings, his illicit financial dealings, and finally bring him to justice. But anyway, the hedge fund king, played by Damian Lewis is called Bobby Axelrod, and just recently, this latest season, I think they're in season two or three, they just brought on TV's first gender non-binary character, and which is interesting because it's played by a gender non-binary actor, and uh, that actor is Asia Kate Dillon, who plays the character of Taylor, who is a financial analyst and advisor to the hedge fund king. 
And so what's interesting, you know, it's interesting. It's a gender non-binary actress playing a gender non-binary character and supposedly the TV's first gender non-binary character. And this character wants to be uh, people to refer to him by the pronouns they, their, and them. And so it's kind of an education for uh, all the viewers. And this, hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. And so this financial analyst and advisor who's under the employ of this hedge fund king or hedge fund manager, whatever you want to call him, is very unusual. You know, very, very, you know, clothes, cropped hair, kind of dresses boyish, very, um, I don't know. Do you remember Data on Star Trek? Almost almost like a Data-type character, very kind of monotone speaking, and uh, but also a very interesting character. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that because of the envelope that has just been uh, pushed a little bit. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. I'm not, you know, because I, you know, I can't really say I have any knowledge of gender non-binary people. I guess they they neither identify as male or female. So uh, right, yeah, it's it's a bit of an education in a in a show that for the first couple of seasons was dominated by very male, you know, testosterone driven characters. This kind of you know, balances that dynamic out. And I think that's why this person was kind of brought in as, or why this character became attractive to Bobby Axelrod, this very testosterone-driven hedge fund king guy, because it's helping to balance out his his hot-headed tendencies with this very calm and and collected and and almost um, cold character that uh, is being played out. Nah, cold is not a is not a kind word to say, just maybe different perspective, I think, is right. what it is. And so, hmm. interesting. So I'm mm-hmm. I, I'm not 100% sure of what a gender binary person is. Uh-huh. Just someone who doesn't identify as either gender or identifies as both. I'll well, have to do some looking myself yeah, now. I, I think what I saw, that yeah, they neither identify as male or female. That's why they just want to be referred to as... They, there, and them. So, yeah, maybe. Hmm. So does that mean asexual? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I, I don't think so, because asexual is different. Yeah, okay. But, uh, yeah, but it, I'm, I'm curious as to whether that means both genders or neither gender. Gender binary would mean to me both genders, both male. No, I said gender non-binary. What about gender non-binary? That's that's the term, gender non-binary. Oh, oh, gender non-binary. So that's why that's why I was saying so that would definitely mean mm-hmm, neither male nor female. Yeah, that that would definitely mean neither male nor female. Yeah, gender yeah. non-binary. Hmm, mm-hmm. interesting. So, so yeah, but whether that person would be asexual or aromantic, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Me either. See lessons to be learned. Yeah, things to things to discover. Right. That's really interesting that they're doing that. It's just like we were talking a couple weeks ago about how there was some discussion on Riverdale whether Jughead would be asexual, and apparently there is a thread of the comics or a offshoot of the comics mm-hmm. where Jughead is asexual. Huh. And you know, it's really interesting the different types of people and characters that are coming out on shows now that help people understand things and see things in a different way. And, and, right. you know, even I consider myself very knowledgeable about mm-hmm. uh, LGBTQ 
IA stuff. Right. Stuff still throws me and stuff still, you sure. know, stuff still has to be explained to me. Yeah. You know, you know and um, so it just, it's great because it makes you curious and being curious makes you look into it. Right. You know, and educate yourself. And, and that's really what the whole that's what it's all about. Right. I think, you know, but that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, when it comes to certain issues like that, I think, you know, ignorance is the enemy. And if people don't know about certain things and then are confronted with it in their daily lives, they tend to bristle at it and, uh, you know, shun it. But, you know, if you're educated, you know, over time and are, are clued into, you know, what's what's out in the world, it certainly makes it a lot easier to uh, understand and, and, and realize that there's a huge diversity of people out there and they're all right. valuable. They, they're all valuable. And they and they don't have to hide who they are. Right. You know, we, we've spent so much time with people having to hide who they are mm-hmm. that it's it's great that we're, you know, hopefully we continue to move past that to where to where people can be recognized for who they are and and who they feel they are and yeah and uh, be accepted. And, you know, that's it. Hmm. Right. It's just really interesting. I, that kind of threw me for a loop because I'm like. Wow, I really don't know much about, you know, I've heard the term gender binary and gender non-binary, and I know a little mm-hmm. bit about it, but I'm not that educated about it. Yeah. And um, well, obviously it's cool me that a show is doing something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. It's like, I, you know, it's just like the Riverdale thing. It's like, maybe they aren't going to do the asexual character on Riverdale, but somebody will eventually, and that's going to be a really interesting right. character. Mm-hmm. To, you know, that's that's going to educate people because asexuality, too, is something that's like for most people, it's really hard to understand what that's about. Sure. I, you know, I don't quite understand it all either. I mean, I understand the concept, but the practice of it is really like, wow, really? That's yeah. kind of amazing. Exactly. Right, right. You know, that's a you know, that that's a unique perspective that mm-hmm. that uh, would be cool if if some television show explored it where you could kind of consider mm-hmm. that kind of person and character. Yeah. You know, interesting. Yeah, I'd say so. So. All right. We can go on with. Um... Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's cool. OK. Well, yeah, I thought you'd be interested in it because we we had kind of uh, talked about how certain TV shows kind of expose us to things we may not be familiar with uh, and, and, and push the boundaries, the envelopes that, that are out there. Yeah. To expand yeah, people's absolutely. minds. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool when characters like that get introduced. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't have showtime, but at least, you know, maybe I'll get to see an episode of it somewhere somehow. Okay. Well, it would be really cool to see that character. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll... Uh, We'll save some on our DVR. You can come over. Cool. All right. Well, I did. I did watch the Fosters this week, and um, okay. You know, it's just a lot of it's just a lot of drama. Teenagers are so much drama. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but of course, but I, I, yeah, yeah. It, it's just you know the other thing that this you know like we were talking about last week. The the thing that this show does is is it, it explores topics for young adults that other TV shows don't, mm-hmm. and um. Uh, it, a couple things that I noticed in the last episode I watched, it's like two of the kids that are foster kids, their parents are in the picture now. 
And mm. so it's that relationship between the teenagers and their foster moms and their biological parents. And that whole kind of thing is getting explored with their feelings about, you know, mm. like what their mm-hmm. their biological mother just had a baby a couple of years ago. Yeah. And so, of course, when they were a little kid, their mom was a drug addict and she didn't pay any attention to them and and kind of did some left them alone at times when they were babies and stuff. And um so it's there. So there's a little bit of jealousy about that because their biological mother is now a better person and has a baby and is a good parent. And it's like it's hard for them to watch that, knowing that that's their biological mother and she couldn't do that for them mm. because she was mm-hmm. younger. And, wow. you know, just kind of a, you just don't see that on TV. You know, that's, it was really it was really interesting to watch that dynamic and think about that, yeah. you know, how hard would that be? That's gotta for, be for them. And what, and it's a brother and sister. Yeah. It's gotta and be it's like the, the sister is really kind of troubled by it. Yeah, of course, man. And, to have, and the, uh, uh, the, yeah, to have, you know, all the, the uh, feelings and emotions you want showered upon you being showered upon, you know, a, a, a new baby. Um, that's, that's gotta be very difficult. Right. Hmm. Especially well, and the interesting dynamic is, you know, they've been adopted. They've had a good they have good parents and and mm. they know that their parents um, who are their biological parents were young and dumb when they were young and mm. have grown up to become better people. OK. And yeah. So it's like, you know, you can understand the concept that my mom, my biological mom used to be a drug addict and was a bad parent and a bad person. And I got. adopted and my life is great and i have great adoptive parents but at the same time you know seeing my mom now who's better have a child would you know those feelings are really confusing and complex so yeah because they're they're always going to be wondering to notice that yeah yeah wondering what could have been you know right absolutely yeah it's almost like yeah and at the and at the same time not unhappy or angry just Right. Just dealing with the feeling of it, you know, just having to to work through the feelings that it gives you. Of course. So, yeah, yeah, it's a really yeah. interesting show to me. Hmm. They they explore some things that you just don't see on other shows when it comes to to young and really even the adults, the the adults feelings and how things how they feel about things and how things work. And it, yeah. it's just a really good show, I think. So anyway. Hmm. OK, it's well written. It's definitely the characters are definitely well written. Okay. And most of the episodes are too. There's been a couple things that happen here and there that I'm just like, eh. And the other thing that's tough is sometimes they gloss over stuff because there's so many characters, and they don't. Sometimes they don't delve as deeply into. They'll start a storyline and kind of move away from it after a while. Hmm. And they don't don't explore it as deeply as I think they should, or or don't let it. You know, sometimes they almost abandon some of their storylines and move on to something else when they haven't really gone as far as they could. But huh. okay, but it, it's still a good show for sure. All right, yeah, it kind of makes you wonder how how well, those dis- those decisions are made sometimes. It's like right, yeah, we're not gonna go. We're not gonna pursue that anymore. Yeah, we're not interested right. in going that that avenue. But yeah, I don't know if different writers or producers or whatever could be suddenly do things or. Be, I don't know. It'd be interesting to be a fly on the wall of a, a production meeting. Right. Well, you mm-hmm. know, the 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 creative the creative writer in me always thinks I could do it better, so <laughs> well, good. Of course. Mhm. Of course. Okay. 
We should. We should. We're really lagging here. We should really yeah. get on to Walking right. Dead and Bates for yeah, sure. Yeah, we should. We definitely should. All right, uh, Walking Dead. Walking Dead. Because I, I have to admit, man, I thought that last season ending episode of Walking Dead was the shit. <laughs> that was some good stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, I thought it was going to be, holy crap, this is going to be just like the, the season finale of, of the previous year. But then everything shifted and the cavalry came in. Oh, man. Yeah. Freaking King Ezekiel and the lion. Oh, man. The, the tiger, yes. So, a lion or a tiger? Yeah, a tiger. tiger. Yes, yeah. the yeah. tiger ate a face. I mean, I, I, dude, you know, when the, when it's, when they double cross them, the scavengers double cross them, mm-hmm. I totally didn't see that. I didn't see that coming at all. And I thought, oh, you know, and I got mad because I'm like, oh, fuck, here it is. Negan's going to be back in charge. And I don't want to see Rick and the group fucking being stomped under a boot for a whole nother season. And, <laughs> All right. and then the fucking tiger came. And I was like, this is amazing. Exactly. Totally amazing. Right. And totally, totally unexpected. Totally, you know, they surprised me so many times on this last episode. I was so, I mean, I was just so happy to be so surprised because mm-hmm. the whole double cross thing, I did not see coming. Neither did and, I. And I thought, oh my God, this is, yeah. And yeah. you're just like, how are they going to get out of this? How is this going to, you know, my big fear was that it was just going to be another, oh, here we come with another season of Negan mm-hmm. fucking being an asshole and getting away with it and treating them like dirt. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's and especially what I was like. after two, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. You, the whole thing with Sasha. Yes. What I want to know is how come I didn't snap to the fact that she was gonna she was gonna turn after you know she dropped the pill. That's me too. I was like, oh, when she comes out of the coffin, you know, like a dumbass, I expected him to open the coffin and her to just kind of tumble out dead. Exactly. It never. I never snapped that she would be a fucking zombie when that happened. Well, like, I guess we didn't. And I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. that's genius!" I guess we didn't consider how how long of a drive it was from the the well, savior's compound <laughs> to you know. I mean, it was, obviously it was a a couple of hour trip. You know, we we always well, think it's it, just down the street, but it's it's actually pretty far. So it is. And then, of course, once he got there, Negan had to be flashy right. for twenty minutes as well. Right. He had to do so, the, he had to do the Negan show. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. So that he does. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Negan show. But I just <laughs> yeah, when he when 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 they op- when he opens the coffin and she comes out as a zombie, mm-hmm. totally surprised. Just uh, didn't did not uh, you know, we always think of people getting bit and then they turn into a zombie. We forget that just when somebody just dies naturally or however, mm-hmm. they turn into a zombie. That's what happens. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I guess we haven't seen that I, it was in just recent such a episodes. Great... Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was just such a great it was just such a great surprise that that, uh, y- you know, and, and we should have known that Sasha's going to kill herself or that the Sasha was going to die because she's fucking doing a new Star Trek series. So it's not like she's gonna be around <laughs> right. for much longer anyway. Well, that's true. I, been, I actually been talking about how she's probably going to yeah. die. I didn't actually know that she was doing a Star Trek movie or is it an episode or uh, uh, series, a, a new series or something? I don't know. CBS is. Yeah, CBS is doing some kind of new series. 
I don't understand all of it. It's like I think mm. it started out it was going to be online only, and now they've decided oh. it's going to be on the network. But hmm. okay, I, I could be totally wrong about that. I'm not sure. But I, I remember all reading right. – of course, it's been about a month ago reading that she had been cast in the new series, and so people were like, oh, well, her character's going to die because she's doing this new – it's kind of a spoiler uh, because she's doing this well, new series. But I thought, oh, you yeah. know. People have done two series at the same time, and they've made it work. And well, you know, maybe true. Star Trek agreed to film film during her off time from mm. uh, Walking Dead, or or maybe they planted that story to make people think that she was going to die. Or you never know. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're uh, clever. So right. Um, but, so yeah, uh, there was just so many cool things. Yeah, to be sure. You know, the whole thing about Dwight not helping uh, or. You know, claiming right. that he was going to help, but then really n- not helping. But then he leaves the little toy soldier behind that says, didn't know. What didn't he know? Didn't know right. that the right. uh, the scavengers were going to double cross Alexandria. I, I'm assuming that that's Sasha, what. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I also was like, what, he threw that thing by the gate. Right. He fucking knew that that uh, what's his name would find it. That Daryl would find it. Yeah, that seems Why, you know <laughs> that seems mighty dicey. But I guess you know he really yeah. had he really had no other means of telegraphing you know his intentions other than something that right. tiny because Negan sees everything you know because he couldn't like pass a note. Or something like that, because obviously, right, yeah, right. So, uh, yeah. But also, I was trying to remember. You know, everyone says, "Oh, it's Dwight," but I and I remember there was a thing where Dwight was like whittling or whatever. But wasn't uh-huh. um, Eugene also whittling? I, and wasn't he I like? Weren't know. they kind of? Uh, I, I'm not a hundred percent convinced it's Dwight, but yeah. But now, who knows? Yeah, you know? I don't know either. That may be just one of those questions that's just going to hang in the air until we we uh, we find out next season. But you know, on the Talking Dead, they seem to think that it was you know Dwight for sure because they thought they had yeah. seen him making little figurines and stuff for a I don't know a battle set or something that he was carving. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it probably is Dwight, but but I'm not 100% convinced that that's what that was, but yeah, um, you're probably yeah. We're we're, we're really just going to have to find out what who that was next season cuz uh, to be yeah, perfectly honest, absolutely. I, I have no idea. Yeah, I'm not a, like I say, I'm not 100 percent right. sure. And mm-hmm. um, speaking of Talking Dead, you watch Talking Dead after that? Uh, yes. You know, AMC they just pissed me off. This whole thing where the the, you know, it's the the big series finale, and then there's an hour of some other shitty show, mm-hmm. and then Talking Dead comes on. It's like, dude, do you guys not yeah. know where your where your bread is buttered? How fucking stupid are you? Right. I mean, I know Chris Hardwick will do whatever you say, but if I was Hardwick, I would be like, fuck you guys running my show an hour after the show we're talking about has ended. Yeah, that it definitely causes a disjoint. Um, now, I know they're yeah. tr- they're trying to, you know, puff this uh, other series up that I can't even remember the name of because I have no interest in Into watching. Into the Badlands. Into the Badlands. Um, which is, I don't know, it's probably based on a comic book also that they're trying to uh, right. really kick into high gear by putting it right after The Walking Dead, which is a huge success. So, yeah. I, I don't know. Is anybody watching it out there? Uh, send us I'm an email. If you're watching Into the Badlands, anybody out there, let us know. Email us at, 
at, at uh, slope at ltvpod.com or mention it on um, our Facebook page because uh, I don't yeah. know any, I don't know anybody who's watching it or talking about it. Yeah, I don't either. And I mean, if they're going to, you know, uh, Hardwick's got this new show coming up. I think it's just called Talking with with Chris mm-hmm. Hardwick or whatever. Yeah. And um, so he did talk about that. It's it starts. I think it's going to be on Sunday nights, but it'll be after Into the Badlands, so it'll probably be on at ten or eleven. Oh. Okay. And uh, and and like a, a, I guess it's. You know, he said Elijah Wood is going to be on the first show, and they actually put a clip of it on Facebook today hmm. or on out there in the world today. I saw it on Facebook, and um, okay. In fact, I put it on our Facebook page. It was hmm. it looked kind of interesting, but um, I you know I don't know that you know is Hardwick really like if I was running AMC and Hardwick was doing just a talk show. I would want him to talk about the rest of the shows that we had on, you know, like Into the Badlands and these other shows. I would be like, okay, that's your job to hype these other shows. You would think. Just like you do Walking Dead, yeah. Well, who knows? He might actually have some people like the producer of Into the Badlands or some of the main characters and maybe hype it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Maybe generate some interest. I mean, I'm interested interested in watching that show just to see exactly what he does on that show. So. Mm Um, I also thought it was really cool when they were uh, doing Talking Dead and they they had a clip from the guy who plays Abraham, Michael Cur- Michael Cutlets, I think is his name. Yes. And they acted like the video was was not working and right. then he came out <laughs> yes. and was really there. I thought that was very yeah. clever. I think they really surprised the girl who plays Sasha. I don't think she knew yeah. that was going to happen because she seemed genuinely surprised. Yeah. What is her name? Sinequa something. I can't remember her last name now. Martin Green, Martin, Martin Green. Maybe. I don't remember either. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. That, that was kind of cute because it was it was truly a surprise to her that he yeah showed up. Yeah. And I thought, too, I also thought it was really great the way they framed that last episode with her thinking about the last conversation she had with Abraham talking about. Oh, you know, what yeah. we do, we do for everyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that was really clever. It's always great when they find a way to bring back a character that's died yeah. um, in flashbacks because, it, right. you know, and and, it, and and for half a second, you're like, OK, wait a minute. Are they going to do that thing where we go back in time and it, it was somebody else's dream that all this shit with Negan happened? Oh, what are we doing here. <laughs> All right. At first, yeah, I was like, but, are they pulling a Dallas on us? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's but, so funny because no. that's immediately what you think of anytime it seems to be like, oh, is this going to be a dream? Right. Are we going to be told that the last the last 13 <laughs> hours what we watched right. is a dream? Yeah, because neat. Dallas did that and people still are mad about it. <laughs> right. They're still talking about it. No, it wasn't the case. It was just adding emotional impact to the whole Sasha story. And uh, I think it it really, like you said, it put a really good bookend to her story. Yeah, really great framing device. And really, um, you know, we didn't get enough of them together when the show was on or when the show Mm -hmm. was in real time or however you want to say it. Um, So it was really nice to go back and revisit that relationship and, and, you know, see them in that light. And and uh, and of course, Abraham, you know, saying this is what we do and this is who we are. And that really... You know, because then mm-hmm. because then it's much easier to accept, even though there wasn't a right. lot of doubt that it was a, that she would kill herself, you know. Um, well, true. Once everything 
you know, as the story progressed, but it kind of made you realize why she was so willing to do that because mm-hmm. she was kind of remembering what he said. Let's do things for other people, and right. if we don't make it, it's okay because somebody else will, and and we do things that help other people make it. Anyway, mm-hmm. it, was, it was done done really well, written right. well. Well, executed well, an episode I liked a lot. Yeah, you know, and, and in, the, in the episode, you knew that she had already made up her mind when she was still in her cell, talking to Negan and saying, only one person must die. You know, he was first, he was yeah, going to say, three people yeah. have to die. And she's like, no, no. And then ultimately she came down to only one person must die. And then I was like, oh, yeah, she's she's made her decision. That's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a done deal. See, I didn't, I didn't quite snap to that. I mm. thought... I, and I don't know who I th- I thought she meant. Yeah, I yeah immediately I knew. Oh, okay, that's yeah. She's yeah. She is uh, resolved. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just didn't snap to that right away, but but of course when I watched I watched the beginning of it again, and when I saw that, I was like, oh yeah. At that point, she's she's talking about herself. She realizes yeah. that one only one person needs to die. Right. And it's her. Yeah. yeah she was completely. Yeah. I was. Um, Definitely a good episode that made up for a, a, a lot of last few episodes with the shitty CGI and stuff, because the CGI in this one was pretty damn good with the uh, tiger. It was. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I was having a hard time watching it because I really wasn't sure what they were going to do, mm-hmm. which is a sign of, of some great writing, because I really thought, oh, are they going to brain Carl? What are they going to do? Yeah. And I was having to watch it through my fingers. Oh, really? Because, so. Wow. I didn't really even fully see the tiger come out Mm -hmm. um, because I was kind of peeking through my fingers because I really thought they they were going to kill Carl. Yeah. So I know. Cut his arm off or Rick's going to lose a hand or something. What's yeah. What's going to happen? Something. Yeah. And then I really thought there was going to be more carnage. Yeah. (laughs) Which was totally believable and totally unexpected, which is when a show is really great. Yeah. You know, when something happens that you didn't Mm -hmm. think about and didn't foresee and it still seems believable and, you know, probable. Yeah. um, Yeah. Boy, there's nothing better than that. That's when a show is really working. Right, and it's like, I, well, then after the fact, I'm like, how come I completely forgot about Ezekiel's forces? You know, once they were there, I'm like, why did I not <laughs> remember that they were, you know, that they were gearing up for war? I guess they, I thought they were just still far away and just still gearing up. Right, know. yeah, there was, no, you kind of forgot them. Well, that's what I'm, that's what I was about to say. It's like, I know there are people who are smarter than me, mm-hmm. who think about things more and probably saw the lion coming, you know, Maybe. 10 minutes into the episode or whatever. But, you know, I, when I watch a, a movie or a show, I kind of let myself get into it and I don't. You know, if you think too hard about it, then it's just going to ruin everything you watch. You have to kind of let go and let the show do what it's going to do. So when I bitch about something, it's because they've done something really obvious Mm -hmm. because I, you know, when when they do something well, I don't see it coming. But when you do something obvious, I see it coming and I'm not looking. Some people are looking to figure it out. Yeah. Some people love to to figure out what's going to happen before it happens. Sure. That can be fun sometime, but sometimes it's yeah, it's the best just to get on the roller coaster and ride it yeah absolutely yeah just let them do let it do what it's going to do and if it Mm -hmm. telegraphs something to you that's how i know if it 
if it telegraphs something to me, I know they've they've done it poorly because I mm. I, I see it coming. Mm-hmm. But if they don't, like on this episode, and you don't see it coming, it's then it's a great fun surprise and makes the show really great. Exactly, I'd say this uh, the season finale definitely uh, redeemed a lot of. Uh, shortcomings in a few of the episodes of of this season oh i think so too and i think it's really going to be in you know it's a lot easier to to accept negan when you know that they're they've got a fighting chance against him Mm -hmm. you know it's that that you know it's going to be in in, because you know he's a hardcore kind of guy even though i don't like the character very much yeah um you know when they're really battling him and it's a fair fight it could be really interesting yeah you don't want him to be too wimpy, and and you don't want him to be too hard. You want to believe that they can beat him, mm-hmm. but you want it to be a hard fight. Yeah, and uh, looks, and that's what they've kind of set up. So I think that's right. really interesting. It looks like uh, Negan's forces are very fired up to uh, get into the fight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, were, and there's they a were lot cheering. of them too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. and you know. They're definitely Rick and his gang and all their friends are definitely underdogs because because mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Negan's forces are strong for sure. Yeah, so it's uh, next season's going to be very exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm oh that's what I was going to mention. Um, it's uh, the other series, Fear the Walking Dead, comes back in June. Mm, I don't think mm-hmm. the Walking Dead usually comes back in October, so it might be six months or so before we. September or October before we get any more. Oh, really? New Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's Walking frustrating Dead. to wait. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. The Fear of the Walking Dead in June, early June, June 3rd or June 6th. I can't remember now. Okay. Yeah, that's not that far away now. I mean, we're already in. No, really. Almost in, almost in mid April. Yep. Yeah. So cool. Um, All right. Uh, Bates Motel was Ooh. excellent as well. Oh yeah! Great episode. A lot of a lot of stuff you don't expect happen there. Boy, that's a fact. Um, this was the uh, episode where Dylan came back home. Right, right, and man, I kept thinking, oh shit, Dylan's gonna get killed. Dylan's gonna get killed, and he almost did. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah, Jesus. yeah. It was you know they really did that. You know what's interesting about that episode? I thought was it was written by Freddie Highmore. And I'm like, man, his character, there's so much that his character goes through in that. And I thought he really did a great job of writing it because Mm. you're watching Norman go back and forth between reality and and uh, delusion. Right. He just wavers back and forth so easily. And that's really hard to play. And uh, Mm -hmm. I wonder if he found it easier to act since he wrote it, because maybe. Yeah, it was. I thought it was really well written. I thought it was amazingly well written and and believable. Yeah. When he gets on the phone at the end and turns himself in, I totally bought that. I totally bought that that was Norman mm-hmm. fighting against Norma and yeah. and winning a little bit. He doesn't want to kill his brother and he want and right. he, he wants to get better. How he's just swapping between the two personalities, you know, at a at a minute's, you know, every second or, uh, you know, within seconds of one personality becoming dominant, the other one uh, fighting back and taking over. It's uh, yeah, it is crazy. Really interesting. Wow. Yeah, really. And 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 uh, well written, well acted and totally, you know, easy to buy into. I mm-hmm. think I I. There was a re- there was something they said too at some point where Dylan's trying to get him medicine and all of a sudden you find out yeah his therapist has been gone for months and so then you're like he just talked to his therapist 
Is that all in his head? That was all in his head. I know. I was like, Man, that that's crazy? brilliant. Wow. Yeah. I that's, was like, that's uh, really brilliant. Hmm. That's like um, six cents reveal brilliant, you know? I just didn't think for a second yeah. that you don't think for a second that, oh, this whole thing where he talks to his therapist, and that's the point where he starts remembering that sometimes he becomes his mother. Mm-hmm. And that's all going on in his head. There's no doctor there talking to him. I know. He's in his own head. It's, oh, it's such a great show. I'm, I'm, I am sad that this is the last season. Yeah, but I mean, God, where, where could you go with it, you know, after this? Right. It, I don't, uh, you know, there's only, I think there's only three episodes left. And the next wow. episode is directed by Freddie Highmore, which is going to be mm. interesting. Okay, um, that will be interesting. Because, yeah, yeah, Dylan's there now, and then, of course, Alex will be there before too long. Oh, yeah. And there's, you know. Yeah, I think they showed previews that, yeah, Alex was, was back, at least in the previews. So, woo. Yes. Yeah, he comes back to the hotel, yeah. Right. But he, he's recuperating the whole time. You can tell he's yeah. coming. Mm-hmm. And, uh so, do we so ever, I don't know. Yeah. Did we ever I, find out that if that was his sister? I don't think it was his sister. I think it was a woman that had some sort of a, a crush on him. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't tell for sure exactly what they were were mm-hmm. getting at there. Um, yeah. And I don't know that they necessarily oh, said. I think they was, knew each other from high school, and I think she always had a crush on him or something. Oh, maybe that was it. Unrequited. That's, that's, I think that was, that's the deal. Or maybe they had Hmm. a thing. Who knows? I can't remember. You said Freddie Highmore wrote this episode and directed it? Yeah. Or just wrote it? No, he just wrote it. And then the next one will be the one he directed. He has, I mean, some of those scenes in there are so darkly comedic, you know, like when they're, you know, they're they're hauling um, um, uh, Sam's body, some bizarre shit. Yeah, I mean, I think, too, there was a little bit of that in the original film. There's a little bit of, Mm, true, you know, I mean, the character is of Norman Bates played by Anthony Perkins is certainly likable. And there are some, you know, there are some things he says that are almost... humorous mm-hmm. um um i mean even the end where he's become his mother fully and he's like thinking like his mother they won't think you can hurt a fly you're just a little lady or whatever he says uh, you know right and i mean that's almost funny in an absurd sort mm. of way you know mm-hmm. and i think i think highmore is really good at playing that kind of thing that oh yeah, yeah. i mean him and yeah him and and uh, uh, Vera Farmiga together are are amazing. They're yeah. so good together. And regardless of what the situation is, whether they're fighting or you know creepily being mother and son or whatever they're doing, mm-hmm. they they work perfectly together playing those characters. Right. And I think they're working together over time as the series progressed. They just they got better and better of of of, of keying off of each other and and working together. Oh yeah. Yeah, toward and that was the now they're a finely tuned machine. Yeah, working as and that one. was the other thing yeah. too was when Dylan gets there, mm-hmm. and it's like uh, you know he, uh, the actor that plays Dylan uh, is really good too. I think and oh yeah, and you you know there's those scenes where Highmore is uh, is re, you know knows that that's his brother and his brother cares about him and loves him and they and wants mm-hmm. to help him mm-hmm. and that you know and that whole confusion that that brings about and you know was just so great it's like you really feel like you know there's a real love between them 
that's deep and and you know Dylan isn't an asshole who's trying to hurt him. Not at all. Dylan I mean, wants him to get better, loves right, him, and wants him to get better, and you believe that. You truly believe that that he loves him and cares for him and wants him to to get well. And he came so close to getting Norman to taking his medicine again. So close. Oh, oh, I know. And what he get for his so, trouble? It was so heartbreaking. He got a glass to the a, head. A clo- <laughs> a clobbered to the head, yeah. yeah but a- then he also got what he was trying to get, which was Norman to admit that he's he's sick yeah. and needs help and he's killed. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, because that's a, you know, I think it would be, you know, if in, in the hands of lesser writers and producers dylan would be an asshole bent on revenge which i yeah. think is what alex is going to be oh yeah um, i think you've you know, already got got that know, in spades really i don't mm. like to to spoil things and maybe i'm completely wrong but i have this feeling that what's going to happen is mm-hmm. um uh, Nor- norman and dylan are norman's going to get better and start to recover and uh and alex is going to come and kill him once he's better wow Holy shit! Yeah, damn, that'd be I really going not, off script or off uh, yeah. <laughs> off the 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 line of the movie. Hmm? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've already kind of gone off the line of the movie. I well, mean, yeah, which, to course, some degree, right? You know, there was no brother character in the original or anything like that. But well, that's I just true. think it's a. I, I I think you know. So I think they're at a point where they can do what they want to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just got to be great. People expect it to be great. Right, I guess you know. Yeah, if you you ended exactly the way the the movie ended, that's uh, not going to be very exciting TV, except for somebody who's never seen the original movie. Right, uh, and we've kind of already moved past that to a certain degree. So I don't, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Uh, like like we joked in the last episode, you know, what if the ending of the movie, what if the ending of the series was Norman gets well, you know, which is which doesn't sound like a great ending, but. If Norman got well and then be Alex came and killed him, yeah, oh, you know, that would be nuts. And then Alex came and killed, yeah, yeah. that would be heartbreaking. <laughs> and maybe I'm complete. I'm I'm usually well, wrong. I hope I'm not spoiling we were, something and turn out to be right. But yeah, we were, never know. But we were joking about that a episode or two ago. <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah. anticlimactic. If the end of the right. series is Norman gets well. <laughs> Norman gets well, yeah. But then, yeah. The, but yeah, but I like the Spoiler twist alert. of of Romero coming and killing him after he gets well. That'd be yeah. totally yeah. fucked up, right? Because I mean, I think I think Romero at this point is bent on revenge. Oh yeah, you know, he's, he's myopic. He is right. He's as crazy as Highmore almost. He, bent on revenge. Yeah, definitely at this point. So which mm. you know and. And probably rightly so, but still, yeah. Damn, and there's only three more um, episodes, too, to find out what happens. Uh, yeah, Jeez. yeah, what's going to happen. It's going to so. be a nail-biter at this point. Jeez. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I, yeah, me yeah. too. And it, it's one of those ones where, uh, you know, that I, I wouldn't mind going back from the beginning and starting over and watching it all again. Yeah. Because it's been a really interesting series. It, it's it had has. high points and low points, but, but this well, last uh, season has been amazing mm-hmm. and it's amazing you know they they kept doing things like they kill norma and you're like oh how can the show go where can it go from here <laughs> right but they found amazing places for it to go you know yeah. and then dylan comes and 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 is gonna and he's gonna start taking his medicine well how how are they gonna you know what how are they gonna fix that how is that gonna mm-hmm. not be the end of the show 
they've just found ways to really keep it interesting and and right. uh, moving to places. You know, Marion drives away and he kills the he kills the boyfriend. The boyfriend you know. instead, yeah. That was that was a yeah, twist we didn't see coming. Don't but, see uh, that coming, and yet, and then you're like, well, how does that work then for the rest of the movie? But then, or for the rest of the series? But it totally does. Right, and uh, interesting. Yeah, and you got the whole issue of the sheriff, and, you know, she's asking all these questions, and, of course, I guess it's a moot point at this point, because, I mean, Norman's already dialed 911 and has, has pretty much uh, confessed Yeah, to uh, murdering yeah, that uh, will be Sam, what's his last name, Sam? Loomis. Loomis. Sam Loomis. Yeah. But so, then, hmm. you know, in Norman's mind, he hasn't killed anyone else, you know? He, oh, he didn't that's kill true. any Norma killed everyone else. So that's going right. to be interesting. Is he is he going to tell Sheriff? No, I didn't kill these other people. I only killed Sam Loomis. And mm. how, you know, who knows where the, that could be really yeah. interesting, too. So how many bodies did they find in that little lake? Uh, well, there was, a, this, I think, a school the, teacher and the guy who came after him. Oh, yeah, and the, hit, the hit man. That's right. The hit uh, man. And then the girl, the teenage girl that he killed horrifically by banging her head on the rocks. Yeah, I thought he drove her car uh, into some other, was it the same lake? He, like pushed a car was, with her maybe. in it? Because it seemed like a much, I don't know. Into one. Yeah. I guess we'll if find out. If they start out. looking, they're going to find lots of bodies, though. They sure are. You, they might even find... A charred, yeah. a charred Caleb body. Oh, that too. Oh, yeah. And that's really weird. Like, Chick has kind of disappeared, and it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, did they kind of write him out of the show because they knew that was going nowhere, or did they, or is there some big surprise with Chick that's going to come up at some point? I don't know. But, is Chick uh, going to return or not? Yeah. Well, he, he might return at the end and say, I've got it all on paper. Maybe that's what it will be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he sells the movie rights and then he meets Anthony Perkins and then the rest is history. And oh, that would be cool. <laughs> that would be interesting. Or Hitchcock sells it to Hitchcock. Yes. <laughs> or at least a, a modern a modern day version of Hitchcock. Right, yeah. Or whatever. Sells it yeah. sells it to uh I don't know who. Yeah. M. Night Shyamalan. Shamalama Ding Dong. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh we're really running late, so shall we, we do are. Riverdale real quick and then call it a night? Yeah, let's do that. Riverdale, that was uh, the episode that we watched tonight. Yep. That was the um, that was the episode where the uh, Blossom family invited um, Archie up to the woods to tap. Uh, I mean, to take Cheryl up there and tap. I mean, uh, <laughs> there's some kind of tapping ceremony, and yeah. Cheryl was involved. A, I don't know what that was. A all tree about. tapping, yes. Yeah. 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 Oh. Hey, Archie, will you come up in the woods and tap uh, with our daughter, please? Tap yeah. our daughter. Well, then she just you, thought it was funny. You you know what was fun and and uh, not to get into incest territory, but there's a there's a line in here that Cheryl <laughs> says. She says, "When Jason died, I thought I'd tapped my last tree." <laughs> and I was like, "Whoa, whoa!" It was almost like yeah, a throwaway some... line as she was walking into a room, and if you weren't paying attention, you would have ne- might have not necessarily heard it. But it was like, "Hey, what are they?" What's, was that on tonight's episode, yeah, or was, was that t- an earlier episode? No, that was tonight's episode. Yeah. She's walking into a room, and she's yeah, like, yeah, so that's pretty funny. Um, but I yeah, thought it was a. They are they are really working on Archie to become uh, Cheryl's beard or, or something. Yeah, well, I think to, they you know. They want they they need a male mm-hmm. uh, uh, what do you call it when you leave stuff to someone? They need a male heir to like, take yeah. Jason's place. 
or, or because I guess it's a it's very matriarchal uh, family structure. Yeah, yeah. patriarchal. And, yeah. Oh yeah, patriarchal, not matriarchal. <laughs> okay. Yes. But and, um, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was really interesting because I thought you know the whole dynamic between uh, Archie. And and that family and Archie, you know, trying to be a good guy, and then and then right. uh, the Blossom father kind of recognizing him for being a good guy. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there was just a lot of you know this whole di- the, this, yeah. I think the show works the best when it's the dynamic of the teenagers dealing with the adults mm-hmm. and the teenagers trying to be good and do what's right, and the adults being corrupt and yeah and dark and sinister. That's definitely... and I think that's when the show is at its best. Yeah, it's definitely a general theme, and it's like, yeah, because yeah. uh, Cheryl's father is like, you know, he wanted Archie to be there to yeah to support Cheryl, but also to be a stabilizing factor, and yeah, like you said, to be kind of a a, a male figurehead at the same time. So right, yeah, yeah. the male heir figurehead, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That's man, the, you know, that fucking family kind of cool that, that the. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? That fucking conniving kinda, ass family. <laughs> it's kind of cool that this whole thing too is based on the 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 uh, maple syrup. Uh, is is the whole kind of what's the word I'm looking for? The big it's industry like of the, the town. Maple syrup. Yeah, the, yeah, that's yeah. The you know, the maple the syrup is the gold or the the kingdom or the you know. It's like it's really right. interesting that that's the the currency mm-hmm. that they're all wound this is all wound up around yeah um, it's such a great metaphor because maple syrup is so wholesome and it's so <laughs> it it's is. natural and it you know well. it, it's sweet and mm-hmm. um you know i think it's just a cool cool metaphor for for power and and um and how something innocent and simple gets corrupted yeah. when commerce comes knocking. Yeah. Well, well that's the thing about really su- cool. That's the thing about syrup. It's sweet, but god damn it, it's sticky. It's <laughs> <laughs> Yes indeed. It's, yes indeed. It's sweet, but well, it's kinda like uh, the mm. the town in uh, Bates Motel, you know, the uh, the community uh, product is marijuana. You're right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's sweet and sticky too. There you go. Um, that's right. You want that resin? Yeah, that resin. <laughs> that's right. So my favorite moment from the episode tonight, my my whole favorite moment was when uh-huh. um, Cheryl's talking to uh, Betty and Jughead. Yeah, and she says to, she calls Jughead. She says something something to Jughead, something something. You hobo. <laughs> just like that's so funny. Like that's her insult. You hobo. <laughs> you, you know, hobo. looking at. Mm-hmm. You hobo. I don't know what you're talking about, you hobo. <laughs> I was just like, oh, my God, that's her idea of an insult to call someone, a, you know, mm. someone who's poor and doesn't have, you know, <laughs> I was just like. Yeah, well. It made me laugh because there's so many things you could judge Jughead for. She could have called him you emo boy or you. Right. You she called him a hobo. Poor person or <laughs> she called him a hobo, which, you know, that's, that's just something teenagers call each other but i just thought it was really funny yeah, yeah you know it gave me a tiny chuckle <laughs> so and, and you know it gave me a tiny chuckle and it it's kind of a reference to the old comic book when cheryl calls archie archie kins which oh, yeah. uh, betty and veronica well, the, called him that often in the uh, comic book as i recall 
And that right. And that's what I think Veronica, most of all. But I think that was what was interesting is that it made me realize that what they've done in this series is instead of making uh, Betty and Veronica the rivals, Mm -hmm. which is what we're so used to. Yeah. Everyone likes Betty and Veronica so much. They really don't want them to be rivals. Right. And so they've made them on the same team, whereas now Cheryl is the 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 rival and the and much more evil it's hard when you read the comics it's really hard to believe that veronica would be so dumb that she would do some of the things she does that are not nice you Mm -hmm. know good point um cheryl you totally believe it yeah uh, okay so you had your favorite part of the episode and i want to tell you what my favorite part of the episode was and and it's got a twin peaks connection when Mm. when alice cooper who was shelly on twin peaks was cutting Mm -hmm. was cutting a pie Oh, I don't think I even snapped to that. Oh, that's funny. I think it was it was Jughead, Betty, and Veronica were sitting around the table, and Matchinamick is cutting a pie just like she did when she was uh, waitress Shelley on Twin Peaks. It was like yep at the uh, at the Double R Diner. Is that what it was? Yep. All, all I wanted to see was you know somebody asked for a hot steaming cup of coffee and some pie and a. Slice of the apple pie or cherry pie? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't recall what pie it was, but I, I just thought it was funny. I, yeah, that but, is funny. I didn't even snap to that. That's mm-hmm. that's clever. I wonder if that was intended or not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. The not. other thing that that was really interesting is at the end when they're doing the you know coming up on the next mm-hmm. Riverdale or whatever. Yeah. And it looks like Molly Ringwald is finally going to show up. Oh, uh, she's playing Archie's mom. Oh, I didn't snap to that during the previews. I, it, it was too quick of a glimpse for me to. Uh, it was very short. I was yeah. hoping they were going to show more. Yeah. Well, that's going to be cool. And I don't, you know, I just. Yeah. Very I just cool. kind of snapped to it. I'm like, oh, that's Molly Ringwald. So, yeah. Yeah. That's going to be fun when she gets on the show. Hey, so um, finally on this episode, Ethel Muggs had a storyline. Oh, and I thought that was really good too. I thought it was a great storyline. Mm-hmm. It was really, it was really. See, and that's why I like I like Betty and Veronica as the nice girls, you know, because yeah. Veronica has been the bad girl in the past, or the mean girl in the past, and she's trying to be the nice person now. She's trying to right be better, and I mm-hmm. I think that's I think it's way more interesting for her character than her being the right the the evil one, which you know, which they've introduced Cheryl to be, which I think is perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think it, I think it works a lot, but uh, the whole thing of Veronica befriending Ethel because she kind of feels, a, you know, they're kindred spirits, but then you know. Then the uh, you know the dark side of the story pops out of you know Ethel's parents having problems, and then it turns out that you know Ethel's dad what attempts suicide, and it's all because of yeah. Veronica. And wow, and Ethel's mom really treated uh, Veronica like shit, and it's like she has right. really nothing well, to do with it. But it's just another thing of the parents always being the unstable ones, or so it seems. <laughs> right? Yeah, the parents not. Yeah, they're not they're not going, you know, even even at the end when um, when Fred Andrews tells uh, Hermione that he's going to help her, but he wants 20 percent and they're not going to be in a relationship anymore. Yeah. You know, and he starts. Yeah, he starts getting starts, a little uh, uh, hard. Yeah. You know, and it's and he's played the pretty sympathetic character up until now. But now you're like, OK, is, you know. 
Yeah, he can be. Is he going to be an asshole or? Right. It's like he can be cutthroat when he wants to be also, apparently. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So interesting episode. I thought it was good. Really liked right. it. I also, they a lot of all the thing with the blossoms, with the color red, the suits and the clothing with the red and white and black. Oh, yeah. Really was, interesting color palette on this episode in the snow. Certainly was. Yeah. And as a punctuation and, mark to the episode, Valerie dumped Archie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. He's oh. just trying to be nice. Just trying to be a good guy. Right. It's what you get, man. Yep. It's what you get for trying to be a good guy. You lose everything. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. And, no, yeah. And now he's going to lose his... Uh, his music scholarship and the deal with his his father's uh, construction deal is going to fall through. It's all gone to shit. It has, man. Mm-hmm. Or so it seems. So anyway. Well, hey, good episode, man. Yeah, it was very enjoyable. I think this is a three-hour episode, so. Uh, two hours, good luck with 40, all your editing. 45 minutes, but uh, yeah, we can. Yeah. Well, it'll be, a lot of it can, can, you know, be chopped out. Well, there's a lot of coughing going yeah. on this episode again. Have you watched <laughs> any more Feud? Yeah. I have. Well, damn. Next episode, we'll talk. We'll talk about it. Yeah, we won't have we won't have Walking Dead to talk about. So exactly. So we'll have plenty of time to discuss feud. Okay, looks like we've come to that part of the show where we have to tell our audience to slide in next week for another fabulous. Huh? I thought we're not going to do a. I thought we don't. I thought we didn't want to do those anymore. Oh, are we not going to do those anymore? Okay, we can do one tonight. And if it's shitty, okay. we may decide never to do one again. Let's do one, and the question we're contemplating is, should we continue to do these? Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So I love our that. Oblique strategy, <laughs> our oblique strategy, we're contemplating, should we continue should we to con- do oblique, oblique strategies of the week? Okay. Here it comes. Awesome. Okay. Here's our answer. Here it is. Here's our answer. <laughs> Repetition is a form of change. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Wow, Bob. Wow. 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 I, I don't know. I don't know. If, man. I don't know if any other card we could have pulled <laughs> could have answered that could question. Could have been answered that question so obviously. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. Repetition is a form form of change. change. It sure is. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Well, I think that answers our question. We'll be doing some more oblique strategies. I I guess we will, you know. And if if we hit another impasse where we're getting tired of it, we might have to consult the deck once more. (laughs) We may have to. Yeah. It may be. We shall see. That's its whole purpose. So there we go. Right. All right, that's cool. Oh, cool! That's amazing. Okay, now I'm, mm. I'm, okay. I'm, uh, I'm sorry I interrupted your, uh, but now I'm glad that I interrupted your closing yeah, out the show. Exactly. Oh, that's cool. All right, so okay, we've we've got our answer for now regarding oblique strategies. So on that note, kids, slide in next week for another fabulous episode of A Slippery Slope. We will all be immortalized as content. That's it. Yay! All right. Yay! Good episode, Lodger. Sorry, man. Well done. 